All right, we got Mario Raldi in today. Thank you for coming in. Thanks, bro. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, MMA slash UFC fighter. Uh, been gentlemen's clubs for, what, 15, 20 years of your life, pretty much? 17. And you started at Tootsie's, right? Yeah. Isn't that the biggest one in the world overall? Uh, I think as far as the last time I checked, it was it was the biggest one. It, was, it used to be a BJ's warehouse. It's massive. Is that what it was? It was yeah. a B- wow. So now, when you're in high school, like, wh- were you playing sports? What were you doing? Yeah, I was. Um, I did football, wrestling, and track. Yeah, you look like a football player. Yeah, I would say. I football. used to run too in track, actually. Yeah, two twenty. You you have that? I I don't know if you know who Willie Rofe is. He's yeah, yeah, a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he was in here. He's like this, like two of you, and you're huge. He's one of the strongest guys in the NFL. Yeah, but he was quick though. Even now, he came in, man. He could move quick. Everything. Right. He, but you look like a football player. Yeah, that was my first love, but I ended up really cease, uh, succeeding in wrestling. So I, you know, just kind of naturally, organically ended up doing mixed martial arts after that. So when when did you start the mixed martial arts? Uh, probably after like two years after college. So I would say 2002, maybe. And, nope, that, and that's when that's when you like really started to train and take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. I had a buddy from high school was training with Dean Thomas. Oh, yeah. And he just like, hey, you should try this, and it was like, all right, sure. You know, what did you love about it? Just to, like taking the anger out, or, or the 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 fight in it? Because it's a tough sport. I'm not really an angry person. Um, like I can have no emotions and pull your arm to the back of your head if you know it just don't doesn't bother me i'm okay with violence but um the competitive nature of it basically is the reason why now when you go to train mma and, and you you were trying to take it to the next level i mean you had some big fights yeah you know you can come up on the cards now what what is the most important thing to train i mean i know endurance is huge but but what else? Because you're getting hit with leg kicks. You're getting hit with. I mean, that's practically bare knuckle, right? I mean, how much padding is there when you get a straight right? Those gloves are four ounces, so it's it's not a ton of padding. Um, as far as training, I mean, you would just you. I say probably best to train to your shrimps, and then focus on conditioning. You know, so like. Um, it's good to be well-rounded, but for instance, I was a wrestler slash uh, submission grappler. So, you know, my training focused a lot on getting a person to where I can exploit my my gifts. Because because your strength was taking people down, right? Yeah. So then you, you practiced a lot on getting them to the point where you would be able to make your move to take them down. Right. A lot of transitioning from striking to takedowns, which is very important. Uh, so my game pretty much, I catered my training to what my game would be for the whoever the opponent was, which almost always defaulted to getting inside, getting them to the ground and cementing them, you know. And then what, what's your diet like? Like like as as you evolved and you got good where you're starting to get real fights, you're going up the ladder. Now, when you're up the ladder and you're mid-level, okay, and you got a fight coming up, how long do you start training prior to the fight? And then what's your diet like during the training up to that fight? Most fights, I would say you you like at least, um, you know, 12 to 8 weeks to prepare if you're in shape already, um, which most mixed martial arts fighters, we're going to say 
close to fight shape year round because fights like always popping up and and falling in your lap. So I would say most guys are going to go 12 to eight weeks. Um, and you know, throughout that training it, diets vary so much that, you know, some guys, I never dieted because I was a heavyweight and didn't really have to cut weight. So I just kind of worked hard and ate whatever the hell I wanted to eat because, uh, you know, I like my pastas. I love pizza. I love hamburgers. So. <laughs> you eating hamburgers like prior to the fight? I, I mean, not actually prior to the fight, but during training? Yeah, man. I would eat whatever the hell I want. I would, I'm not, not a big sweets guy, so I don't drink soda. So as far as that stuff go, but I mean, man, I would just eat whatever I want. If it was a burger, it's a burger, you know? You got them genetics. <laughs> my, my buddy, he, he's a bodybuilder, and he, he's like that. Like he... You know, most guys prior to, you know, a pro, like, bodybuilding thing, like you did in Pittsburgh or whatever, you know, usually, like, the week before you're watching sodium, water, he was gigantic, but he would have to eat. He couldn't cut because he would lose too much. So he had to eat rice, and, and everybody around him hated him because they're dying. You know, they can't wait till the right. fucking show because they just want a slice of pot, pizza or whatever it may be. And here's this guy. His coach is saying, eat eat you're gonna you're, you know you're starting to look flat so you just got that genetic gift yeah man i just I, I mean that's actually my diet now i eat whatever <laughs> so it's been your diet forever yeah now how much are you lifting when i pull this up on instagram because this is pretty recent right it's the one where you're pumping that dumbbells uh that's probably a couple years back so how much is that right there and if you're listening to this this is mario throwing what was this? 150-pound uh, dumbbells. Like it's nothing. Look at that. What was that, 10? Yeah. I normally, uh, so I don't really get heavy anymore, what I consider heavy. So I normally do what I call centennial sets, 10 sets of 10. And is that to uh, save your body, like to save your, your everything? I just don't have the desire anymore to get under 500 pounds, you know. So and kill like, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> there's no need for me to do it anymore, you know. Yeah. And how many total fights did you did you have? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I think the total number was like, I think I ended up being 11, 5, and 1, or 12, 5, and 1, or something like that. Yeah, I know you only lost once. Yeah. That was it. So... Well, I lost a couple times, but I had a one no contest with uh, this UFC veteran where I went to go to take him down, and we he fell through the ropes. He fell through the ropes. Yeah. So, so that. And then I had um, I lost to Roy Nelson, another UFC guy, and uh, Ron Waterman. So, a couple high level guys, but now, and we were talking before the difference between MMA and UFC. MMA is basically UFC. It's just. UFC is branded. As far as the fighting and the style and the rules, it's the same. Yeah, it's essentially the same. I mean, different regions are going to have different rules. Like back in the back in the day with Pride in Japan, you could you know soccer kick people in the face and you could stomp them in the face and stuff. But you know that for the most part, the rules are the same in each organization. This podcast no. is brought to you by Monster Energy. Tear into a can of the meanest energy drink on the planet, Monster Energy. 
It's the ideal combo of the right ingredients in the right proportion to deliver a big bad buzz that only Monster can. Monster packs a powerful punch, has a smooth, easy drinking flavor. Athletes, musicians, co-eds, road warriors, metalheads, geeks, hipsters, and bikers dig it. You will too. Monster Energy is more than just the green OG. Monster has Monster Ultra, Juice Monster, Monster Hydro, Rehab Monster, Dragon Tea, Monster Max, Muscle Monster, and many more. Buy on Amazon, buy on Walmart, or go to monsterenergy.com and believe me, you'll find a place. Unleash the beast, Monster Energy. From me watching it, how do guys like you and McGregor and all, how do these guys take these kind of hits? You know, they're always talking about, oh, football, concussion, all this, all that. No. Hey, forget about football. I mean, this is basically closed hand, fist to the face, body, not to mention the leg kicks. Those are no joke, man. I got golden gloves. I got four golden gloves, but I do not want to fight an MMA guy or a UFC guy. I'll just give you the money. You won. Here. I ain't taking no leg kick. Fuck that. I'm out. Leg kicks suck. Yeah. Leg kicks suck. I, uh, when I fought Rico, I, I kicked him three times and he was limping after the fight, but I mean, I, there's a clip on YouTube of that. Yeah. I can't play it because it's YouTube, but right, yeah. So there's, there's, um, I mean, I guess it's like anything else. The more you condition your body to take it, the more you're able to take it. You know, so, um, what people don't see is the hours and hours of sparring that goes into preparation for fights. So I mean, like, and what I was saying earlier is most MMA guys. They're going to stay in fight shape year-round because as you're up and coming, you want to always be ready for one of those big opportunities. So they're literally sparring five days a week for an entire year or their entire career, some of them. Right. Okay. So it's not like boxing where you fight twice a year. Like MMA can call you at any time and say, hey, Mario, we have a gig for you. Can you be ready in 30 days? Yeah, that, so, that's kind of how it goes with both. I mean, I took a fight when I fought on Showtime. I took that fight. I congratulations. By I the way. got uh, the contract Friday. I was fighting the following Friday. Wow! So you know, when you're young and you're hungry, you want to be you want to be ready to go when you when you get opportunity. So because it's just like we were talking about sponsorships. The, the more of a draw you are, or the more you know, you're out in the public's eye, the more money you're going to make on your purses, the more money you're going to make with the sponsorship. So those guys really just, I mean, honestly, a young MMA fighter, what they put their body through is insane. Absolutely insane. Did you see that last fight? It was maybe two weeks ago. It was an upset. Ah, oh, fuck. I can't remember his name. He had him in the corner. and then George Masvidal? Yeah. Rogan was uh, announcing it, and everybody was going nuts. Did you see that? I caught a little bit of it. I was working, so I couldn't really. Yeah, I, can't, I haven't really been able to sit down and enjoy a pay per view in so long because I'm always working when they, you know, when got it. Got a pre record, right? Yeah. And watch at five o'clock in right. the morning when you get home and nobody else is home. Yep. Uh, I I watch it. I don't. You have to explain it to me after you see it. Text me and let me know what you saw, because it was like he he took a hit, and he took a hit to the jaw. And it didn't phase him. Then he went after the, the other guy, the underdog. I always mess up his name. And, and he was rocking him. But then 
uh, the other guy put his hand, I should have put his name down, put his hand down a little bit and just got one hell of a clock and just plummeted him. Wow. It was, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. That's that puncher's, puncher's chance we always talking about. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, with those four-ounce gloves, man, you no thanks. one shot can really make a difference. Now, do you think 10, 20 years from now there will be all these brain injuries from these guys doing it? Or do you think, like you said, that the amount of training that people don't realize that you put in and other guys, you're basically training your brain to take hits so that – am I right? Like you're, you kind of train your brain to be able to take blows – I mean, I don't know if if that's even possible, but I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah, possible to train your brain, but I think you just you kind of just conditioning your body to endure pain, and you know, you do train yourself how to respond when you're dizzy or whatever the case may be. From you learn how to do that stuff, how to get off the canvas when you go down, but um. I think the the brain injuries might not be as much as football because the nature of the sport, you know, there's up, it's down, you're getting punching, you're grappling. So it's not sustained strikes. Not all the time. Sometimes it is a fucking war and these guys are punching each other for five, five minute rounds. But in most cases you're clinching, you're holding people against the cage. Um, the research I've done is that the, Boxers, the reason why they have so many brain injuries is because they're allowed to continue after they received the initial injury. Where in mixed martial arts, they're gonna they're gonna stop the fight, and um, they're not gonna let you continue after you receive that initial brain injury. Brain injury. So, I don't know. Well, that's I that's we'll, interesting. I, we'll I never see in twenty years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting though, because I never thought about it like that. Because when you box, you might go twelve rounds. And you're already beat up, and unless you're going blind or can't walk out to to the center of the ring, they keep the fight going. Right. You can fall e- each round, yeah. and they're going to let you keep getting up and taking that punishment, which is, you know, from the research I've done, that's where it's happening. Yeah, I agree with you. And then same with football, because say, you know, you're a lineman or a running back, and you get you take a hit, well, your adrenaline's still running. You got 50,000 people in the stands, it's, it's still a game. Right. Then... You know, if it's not the next play, it's the next play. You're getting that ball again and running into guys your size and Willie Rose sized right. with a concussion already that's, there. That's what people ask me all the time. Hey, why did you? Why didn't you try football? Why don't you get back in rugby, a semi-pro football? I'm like, rugby, dude. dude I don't want a 280 pound guy running full speed into me. I'd rather get kicked in the face. Yeah, because I just, I mean, that's a lot more force than a punch. Yeah. Right. So those guys are some of the most athletic, explosive athletes on the planet, and they're clashing into each other's body at 4.5 speed, 280 pounds with a 600-pound bench press, 1,000-pound squat. It's a totally different animal, you know what I mean? And at the end, it's sustained, too. It's every every 15 seconds they're hitting each other. Hard, hard. Because I, I was a running back in high school before everything got weird. And, I, I you know, I had full scholarships. <laughs> and right. my life took a turn, or I would have went to college and taken the full scholarship. And then I saw Willie Rove come in and then another linebacker. And I said, I'm fucking glad I didn't play because oh, I can't imagine, you know. Man, it just hurts, man. It hurts. And then, and then you know you're going to get the ball like three plays and, you right. know, later. Did you think Brady would come back? Brady. 
you know, I thought he was done this time, but I will say that I'm not extremely shocked that he decided to come back. Yeah. It's I, weird, man. That guy's, I don't know what he, what vitamins he take or whatever the case, how much growth <laughs> hormone he's on. But give it to me. <laughs> I'll <laughs> take some of it. Me too. You stay that good looking for that long and still is and, probably the best 30-second quarterback left in the game ever. I mean, arguably still top two quarterbacks in the league. Who do you think so long? I would probably say um, who was the kid that who was the kid in the Super Bowl this year? Was it Mahomes? Mahomes, you got Mahomes. He's up was, there. Who was the other kid? The other uh, kid from was, the Bengals. Yeah, I forget his name. He he had a, a phenomenal game. Yeah, he did. I can't believe the Bengals made it to the Super yeah. Bowl. But I, I would say you have to go with Mahomes right now. Yeah, Mahomes. Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers still in the conversation. Yeah. He, he's good, but he doesn't have the right people around him, I don't think. Right. Rodgers. <clears throat> Mahomes, I think he's good. Hopefully he comes back from that injury. But, it's I mean, good. legendary, none of them stacks up. Not even close. Know. None of those guys are ever going to duplicate what he did. He left Belichick, the Patriots, and the first year at Tampa, I saw him get hit more times in those first six games than I seen him get hit in his whole career. And somehow he won the Super Bowl the first year I leave him Belichick right. when everybody was like, ah, oh, he can't win without Belichick. Come on, man. Yeah, that I last- mean, it really just uh, always said, I guess I'm a Patriots hater, I don't know, but always said that, you know, it's the system that makes that team run so well. But, I mean, he proved that it, it was actually Tom Brady. Yeah, and he got his people around him. Yeah. I'm trying to get, what's his name, um, Rook. Uh, Kronk. Kronk. Oh, Kronk. You got to come if I get Kronk, man. I'm, okay. I'm here, bro. He, he's our guy. He's our guy, right? So now what what got you into the management aspect of your life? <clears throat> I guess it kind of always been like team captain, team, you know, team captain as a junior for football. It's, you know, wrestling captain in college, wrestling captain. So it just kind of always naturally – kind of take charge of situations, right? Um, very even-tempered. So that's something that's important when you're managing a bar because you can you really snap and run a person's head through a wall if you want to every day, but it's just not good for business. So, Especially when this guy up here on the screen is fucking uh, running the <laughs> joint, right? I don't think you want that. <laughs> right? So, I mean, honestly, it's just kind of like um, – it's the bar business, man. There's a lot of turnover. Um, there's a lot of people in not the best uh, place in their lives, right? So, you know, when you find a person that displays leadership skills, I guess in any business it's true too, you know. It's hard to find people that's intrinsically motivated, and it's something that I've never really struggled with. So it, as my high school coach would say, the cream rises to the top, you know. Yeah, right. So you, you're always a leader, you're always a leader because you're well balanced with your temper, and it sounds like people just gravitated toward you to lead them. You know, maybe right. those that weren't didn't have that aspect in as in their personality. You know, to be the leader, you were the leader, and then that led on to right. management, right? Yeah, pretty essentially, yeah. And 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 you know, I'm just a kind of I'm always trying to do the right thing. You know, like it's. That's hard to find people that's not really pushing a self-serving agenda. And it's kind of like, um, you know, for me, I'd rather just do the right thing so I don't look over my shoulder, you know. so Especially now. 
Right. Because right? now, now, what is the right thing? Right. Sure. <laughs> but it, and when I say right thing, I mean like just treating people the right way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I'm capable of being a bully, but for what? Right. What? What's the point? What's the end game? You know? And and you're you know, fast forwarding. You know, you're the manager of Monroe's right now. If you're a bully, people aren't going to want to come. You would only right. be hurting yourself, right? Yep. So exactly. You'd 100%. hurt the bottom line. So right. And if you hurt the bottom line, you don't have <laughs> you're, a job. <laughs> you're not, especially in that industry, right? <laughs> right. That turnover is big. Yeah. Well, because you got so many people that that you have to do the right thing by. I mean, you got your staff. Obviously, the staff has to believe in your leadership skills. They have to share the vision that you're trying to accomplish. Then you have the dancers, which is a totally different. The entertainers is a totally different aspect. You know, they got to like you. They don't show up to work. You don't have girls. You don't have products, you know, and then you got the the guests, you know, the guests got to like you too. You got to make them feel good. So each different category there, you got to find a way to be genuine and to show them that you appreciate them or whatever the case may be. So good managers in adult nightclub business, they understand that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you get, how, how do you get the, the job at Tootsie's the first one? It's funny that your first job at a gentleman's club is, at the time for sure, was the biggest one right. in the country. Right. So, like, did somebody call I, I you or fell, how did it I happen? I just fell into the job, actually. <laughs> did you? So, there was a guy training. We call him El Toro. He was training at American Top Team and he was working there. And um, I wasn't the only fighter there. They had, like, Tiago Alves was working there, oh, Lou Polly was working there. So, um, this guy was kind of like funneling us in through the gym. So, the fight game's very, um, it's not as glorious as people think, especially back when I was starting, you know, it's like you, you have a decent payday. And then by the time you pay your taxes on it, by the time you pay your managers and catch all your bills up for the three months you didn't fight, then you're looking and you're like, okay, I'm back at square one. So I kind of just, you know, asked the guy for a job on the weekend so that I could train still the pay was decent, you know? And it just kind of progressed into working more days over time. And then, you know. Did you start there as security? I first started there as a door host. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I left for a little bit and ran a small bar in, in, um, excuse me, I ran a small bar up in uh, Stewart called La Roca. It was crazy. It's one day it was like a hood club. Yeah. The next day it was uh, like <laughs> uh, we would do like death metal. And then the next day it what, was country? Like Mexican <laughs> Mexican music the next day. So um, it was a crazy. Kind of cool though. Yeah, it was cool. It's just different shit. You know, one day you can get shot. The next day you fucking, <laughs> you know. But uh, so. And you then get I shot one day. Back. Next day you're doing fucking salsa, right? right? <laughs> or in a mosh pit fucking the oh, next day. Oh, well, yeah, with yeah. the alternative, right? Right. So, um. But then I went back, and when I got went back, I started as a floor host, and then became a VIP manager. Well, excuse me, a VIP host, and then I uh, took opportunity with Spearmint Rhino because I was looking to get into management. So, so you went uh, Tootsie's, and then Spearmint Rhino was next, right? Was that the one here? Yep, here in West Palm Beach. What year was that? Ten, right? I think I remember. Ah, so oh five, oh five, oh yeah, yeah. Oh five. What was Wait, it? Was oh five? No, no, no. You're right. It was. 10. This podcast is brought to you by Liquid IV. This is a product I always use after I run, work out, and do the sauna. It's a great way to hydrate the body and feeling your best self. All you do is one stick of Liquid IV and sixteen ounces of water. 
It hydrates the body faster and more efficient than water alone. Three times the electrolytes as other sports drinks and contains five essential vitamins, B5, B12, B3, B6, and vitamin C. It also tastes great. Flavors like watermelon, lemon-lime, strawberry, and many more. Buy in bulk at Costco or go to liquidiv.com and use the code MSCSmedia, no space, for 15% off. No other way to hydrate the body. Right. It was 2010. It was 10 to 16. I yeah. Think. I, I, that's what I think. Yeah, uh, uh, 10 to September of 15, I think. So a solid five years. Yeah, yeah. 10 to September 15. Uh, you know, it, it, Rhino was cool. Rhino was cool. It, it ta- taught me this market here in West Palm Beach, which to me is one of the most unique markets in 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 the industry, you know, I've worked in Miami, I've worked in Texas, I've worked here, I've been all over the country, you know, I got friends and clubs everywhere, and West Palm Beach is a weird market, man. It is. It's so fiercely competitive, and it's so small, um, unlike, like, Vegas and Miami and, you know, where everybody kind of, like, intermingle and stuff here, it's just a fierce market, the competition, you know? Yeah, because you got scores here, you got Rachel's. What they call double D's? What is it now? Uh, mayors or, or it was mayors, right? Main uh, the manor, the manor. A stupid name. And then <laughs> and what is it now? Right now it's Aura. Aura. Now that's kind of cool name. Yeah, Aura. So you got what five or six? Well, you got right? Cheetah. Yeah, you got. Oh, yeah, I mean, Cheetah. you got everything. And then you got those. You know, like the smaller clubs too. So I remember when when I first came down here uh, in fifteen, I I had heard that uh, Rhino was like really starting to get dirty and grimy and like not really a nice place to go did did you see that toward the end no no not when i was there i I think that transition happened over time after you know some of the old guard left um as monroe's got stronger you know and some of us start going and leaving that place and leaving it in the hands of people that didn't understand the market uh you know Certain things work in different places, you know, like what you do in Dallas might not work in West Palm Beach, you know, or or it'll change the whole brand of your product, you know. So, um, or for instance, what you do in Vegas, Vegas is a churn and burn, you know, so you get people in, you burn them out and you, you never see them again, you know, or you see them two years from now and they forget all about the way you treated them. So <clears throat> West Palm Beach is very unique. When I was right before I left Spearman Rhino, I think we were doing really well. I know that the president of the company called and, and congratulated me on being able to draw money from the business and stuff. So, I mean, I didn't see it like that. It did change over time. Maybe after you left, yeah. it changed. And then that's when they called Tony in to try right. to fix it up. Right. Know. So, it, you know, Tony, Tony came in with a vision. And the problem, you know, I don't want to bash that company, but the problem is very hard to manage a club from California. You know, you got to, if you got a vision, you got to be, you got to be watching it because if your vision is different than the leadership, then, you know, it's going to morph into something that you're not accustomed to. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was here for about six months, but then he left. Right. They don't, they don't let something take hold long enough you know yeah. six months is not a good barometer on hey it's this vision gonna take you to where you need to be you know yeah i see your point because you come in for six months you fix it up and then you leave and then you base it on whatever manager you bring in to run it the way you want it to and when they don't then right. what you know 
I mean, Tony's just the fixer, and then he's out. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right, yeah. He does his job. Yeah, he's a, he was a guy. I mean, the guy opened drains. So, you I mean, yeah. there you go. You know? So, he, he obviously knows. The best clubs in the world. <laughs> yeah. So. But when you leave, you got to have the right manager yeah. to run and then it. that's the that's the problem, isn't it? Every, every boss in America, business owner, they looking for that guy that shares the vision, you yep. know? And, you know, when when the big guy's gone, then, you know, everything, most times things change, right. you know, quick. So you go from Tootsie's uh, to Rhino. D- did you enjoy Tootsie's more than Rhino just because it was so huge? In the well, I got to tell you, time? so Tootsie's was, and I still feel, is one of the most amazing clubs in probably the world. It's it's literally a machine. I don't want to talk about numbers, but they, the numbers they do in that place is unreal if you if you knew the numbers you'd be like how in the fuck but the numbers there are unreal um and i got the guy right there is on the right my friend danny's from queens he's one of my best friends in the whole world and we yeah, met that's why, that's why i put him up for you because i saw that you put yeah, your best friend so we met know. at tootsies and, yeah. and you know we're gonna be lifelong friends and that's i met so cool. the the crew and i was hanging out with christian last night also an entertainment manager there and those guys are going to be my friends and family for the rest of my life. So in that regards, with Tootsies, I had the most fun I've ever had working at a job in my life. That's so cool. Because 200 girls a night, we were running around in our 20s. I was a pro fighter. I had abs. I thought I was the best looking <laughs> thing on the planet. <laughs> a lot of perks of the trade that I yeah. thought was okay, you know. My philosophy on the business has completely changed, but as far as having fun at a place, Tootsie's was the place that I had probably the most fun in my life. That crew of guys, we just had a great crew of guys, and it was like it was like a party, man, going to party every night. You know, I didn't look at it as a business back then, so as far as having fun, Tootsie's by far. And it was like a brotherhood, too, because yeah. you met two of your best friends, and 15, 20 years later, you guys are still friends. Right. You yeah. know? That, that's sure. the coolest thing, because... As time changes and people change, you don't know who's loyal and who's going to stab right. you in the back. But guys like that, yeah, that guy, that guy, will, he'll 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 take care of somebody for me. That's what I'm saying, <laughs> and it, I'll do the same for him. Right, too, so. right. But it's it's really hard to find, yeah. especially now because now everybody does this: the phone, the, right, yeah, the social can. media shit. That's another reason you can't smash people anymore. <laughs> 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 you can't do it. You can't. You can't you do nothing. Do it's crazy. I mean, look at George Masvidal down there in Miami. I know. Just punched that guy in the in the mouth, and everybody had the cameras out. Yep. Well, look, it's at, gonna cost them a lot of money. Look what happened. Whether it was, I don't think it was set up. They keep trying to spin that. But like Will Smith, he goes in, slaps Chris Rock, whatever. Bro, he's a comedian. He's a comedian. Rock is one of the best. Would you not agree? Ever? He's up in he's, the top five. He's definitely a legendary comedian. You got Pryor. You got Eddie Murphy. You got Chappelle's funny yeah, Chappelle. as hell. Chappelle's amazing. You know, Rock, couple. he's in the top 10. Yeah. If you sit in the front row with Chris Rock, I don't care who you are. He's probably going to hate you. Yeah, that's kind of how he's made his reputation with his stand-up. He's always fucking with the crowd. Yeah, so don't sit in the front row. Yeah. But then they let him go up there and hit him. Now, if you or I would do that, we would have aggravated assault. We would be in jail well, right now. Well, he refused to press charges, so that's... Said something about him. Well, he's not a, maybe he's not a bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you better not be talking shit. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, 
if you don't want to get shit talked on and don't sit up front, he's a comedian and and stop. I know it's your wife and I know, you know, she's not in what, but he's joking around. And what that did now, because they already fucked Chappelle, right? You know, so who knows if he'll come back the same. I hope so. Now, Chris Rock. Now, how if he comes back out and now he's hesitant to say A, B, C, and D, they're going to fucking kill comedy. I think it's an isolated incident. Most, if you ever like watch comedians in their interviews, they're actually pretty intellectual people. Yeah. So I think he, he he's smart enough to to ration it out, use some rationale, and and, and understand that it was just a one off. And man, that, that that couple in particular, they've been having a hard go at it. So I mean, yeah. I I just hope it doesn't change. It probably had nothing to do with Chris Rock. Honestly, he no. probably just had enough of shit. Like everybody prying in his shit, his wife fucking around on him. Mm-hmm. He probably just said, "Fuck it, I gotta I gotta draw a line in this." <laughs> because in, in all these years, you you never heard one bad thing about Will Smith. He's been perfect, perfect. But like you said, when you got that woman woman trouble at home, you know maybe he got you know fully caught doing whatever they said he was doing. You know, if you're trying to get out of the doghouse, getting up on stage and whacking right. rock, I mean, that might have <laughs> I saw a meme said that uh, <laughs> some about he got on stage and smacked him, and then she told him when he got back, Tupac would have shot him. <laughs> That's right, because she was with Tupac for a minute there. <laughs> why do you think he thought about that? That's probably why he was crying at the fucking podium, the little pussy. I don't care, man, because he, he doesn't He cries understand. a lot. He cries a lot. Well, he needs to stop it, and he needs to stop being like that because he doesn't understand because- you know, even with the podcasting, that affects people that podcast because when these guys do this shit, then they start censoring more, right? Because they think, oh, okay, now we can fucking censor because Will Smith did it. You know, right? right. It's like everything's getting played. It's so weird the way society's going right now with oh. the censorships and, bro, it's bad. You know, they'll censor a guy from saying something that's a little crass, but then, you know, we have to allow all kinds of other soft, you know, yeah. If if a kid who needs a panic room wants to cry and lash out, he can. But then you'll censor a guy for being crass. It's, it can be a two way street. If, if yeah. he can say what he needs to say, then we should be able to say what we want. The the problem is there, there's no company big enough now that can compete with these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody. There there's nobody that could pop up and and take a spot where you could say you know within reason. Speak your mind, you know, because if you can't have open conversation, nothing can evolve and get better and whatever else. If you got to walk on tiptoes, what the fuck is the point? And and some stuff is just, you know, some of it is just like, you know, people just being bitches. But basically, you know, if it's the truth and it's a fact, just because you don't like it, that doesn't make it not true, you know? Well, well, they think it's not true. Right. <clears throat> so they th- whether they're left, right, it doesn't matter. Who right. cares about left and right? But right. if if the company or Silicon Valley feels that it's incorrect and misleading, then you're hit. Right, you for know? sure. Yeah. But nothing we can do about that. No. Other than what's really crazy is they, they get timeout cards in the military now. That's nuts. Nuts. That's nuts. So you've got a Marine that would fight for us they could put a timeout card if the general or whoever. Kim, right? Yeah. Yeah. Timeout card. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I thought the whole purpose behind that was really to to, to kind of just reprogram you. Yeah. No, they should be grabbing the motherfucker that took a timeout card and said, look, pal, when you go to war, you're not going to have a timeout card. So now I'm going to grab you and show you what it's like in right. war because you might go to war. Right. Like well, a Marine with the, the timeout the, card, bro? Yeah. I, I wouldn't want that guy fighting next to me. Hell no. 
I'm going, I'll go by myself. Yeah. <laughs> right? You're better off. <laughs> yeah. But back to you. So you get to uh, Tootsie's, then Rhino, and then you decided to leave Rhino because of a better position, basically, right? right? So then, and then is that the first time you start, you work at Monroe's? Yeah, so I, I left Rhino, I think, September of 15, or it might have been 16, I can't remember, but I left Rhino in, in that September and went over to work um, to work with Scotty and Joe over at uh, Monroe's, so it was, um, and it was a good decision at the time, for sure, 100%, so. And then you went there for, what, two years? Uh, I think I was there for I left in 19, so I was there for, you know, September 19, so four or five years, and then I left. And, and you shot to Texas. Austin. Yeah. Tell me all about Texas. I, I got to hear about this. I ate so much barbecue. Did you? For the first, like, six months of being there, I was eating, like, barbecue three to four times a, a week. How's the barbecue chicken? It's amazing. The, the food's amazing. They don't, they don't believe in sauce in Texas. No. It's all about the smoke in Texas. So they just take straight bar, straight chicken and barbecue. It just it's all smoke. It's all about the flavoring and the smoke. And the, I mean, it's the bar, the barbecue sauce out there. You only get like one or two flavors, and it's not really that great. Um, but the brisket and everything is all about the smoke ring. And they had a place, um, Terry Blacks which was ranked number five in the world in Austin. And then they had a, um, I can't think of the other guy. This other place, I never even got to eat the brisket there because every time you go, there's a line wrapped around the building. Wow. So That's the, the best when you drive up and you can smell that barbecue man, chicken smell. So the barbecue there, nothing compares. There's a guy over here that has it at the gas station. Don't know where he got the chicken. Who knows? Probably... In Belglade, <laughs> I don't fucking know, you know what I mean? But I'll tell you what, I can the smell that in shit. in Belglade, i tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, Belglade's interesting. Um, but, but I can smell it, and every time I stop, I don't know what the fuck is on it. I don't know where right. I got it, but that that smell of that barbecue chicken, god damn. Well. So now when you compare West Palm atmosphere to Texas, Austin, Texas, what is the difference in lifestyle, in the gentleman's club industry and the money that people pay. Right. So <clears throat> I always tell people that South Florida is not real life. Like this is not the way most Americans live in other places. <laughs> like we, we, we're fucked up here. We're degenerates here in South Florida. <laughs> Why do you say that? Why do you say we, that? we live the party. People work all week in Texas and you know, you see a person in Texas, your regulars, you see them twice a month in Florida. You see them four times a week, you know? So people, people just like to party here and people like to tan and go to the gym and, you know, wear designer clothes. And it's just totally different than most places in the U S I think the only other place that compares to South Florida would probably be, I haven't spent a lot of time in New York, but New York and Vegas. Really? Yeah. Because, <clears throat> Like I say, people here live the party. Like they're not waiting for Friday, one Friday a month to go out. Like in Texas, you know, it's much more conservative over there in Austin. We were starting to see some of the Silicon Valley guys. Um, I had bought a house out there when I was there, and, and like Tesla had just put a gigafactory ten minutes from my house. Oh wow, it was huge. I've never seen a building this big. <laughs> he goes um, big. Yeah, it was huge. I had his partner in, uh, Robert Beto. Holy fuck, bro. That guy blew, 
Like your mind fucked after him. Right. Anything you thought, your mind is just completely blown. Right. Those guys are. I mean, national treasures might be even. <laughs> Those guys yeah. like changing the way people look at cars and energy and everything. Yeah, man. I mean, he was sitting here breaking down, proving with like diagrams and shit that there was never a big bang. Because you know, all your life you think, of course, there was a big bang. Right. I mean, the guy had the facts. I mean, it was just crazy. Wow. Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah. So that I would think the biggest the biggest uh, difference there between Texas and here is. The conservatism in Texas is is you know, it's very family oriented. Austin is not. I don't feel Austin was a big tourist area, even though you know the live music and stuff. There was certain events like South by Southwest, um, and a couple other music festivals that they had there that would bring in some tourism. They had a Formula One race there that brought in tourism, but South Florida is like the home of tourism the mecca right so right right yeah so like you get people here they're in vacation mode so they're going to spend a lot more money because they're in vacation mode you know and then it just kind of sets the norm for what people got to spend to really have a good time in the nightlife so it's you know much the money you spend here is a lot different than austin texas you know when a guy comes out and you know he come they drink just as much though yeah, I'm sure they do. Right. So if I compare alcohol sales to alcohol sales, we stopped serving at 2 a.m. and they would they would keep up some Fridays and Saturdays with South Florida alcohol sales. Yeah. So they get so shit faced over in Texas, it's ridiculous. But but the, but financially, the club didn't do nearly as well. No, as because you didn't have that. <clears throat> you didn't have that high end tourist that comes in from New York and is going to, you know, blow 20000 in a night. You know what I mean? A guy spent 5000 in Texas. You're like, oh, this guy's a big shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, because they're home, so they're not going to come and spend twenty grand. Right. Yeah, they're doing, down here, they either have it because they're fucking loaded and moved from New right. York or wherever the hell they moved, or they're on vacation and it's a one and done. Right. right? Yeah, so it's, it's that's, the, that's one of the biggest differences. And I think the way people value beauty and vanity here is a lot different than texas texas you know you got guys they're gonna come out in their jeans and a real real tree hat real tree shirt you know what i mean and, I know, and some boots you know and it's just here you would look at them like bro you can't get in the club looking like you can't go out like that you know yeah, you guys would kick them out right so yeah. i mean that was one of the, the biggest differences the value on what we offered as a club you know the the value wasn't the same to them i used to have to go meet my friend uh gulamaro in uh, mccallan texas it's kind of down a little bit yeah, yeah i know where it is <clears throat> so at the time i was well off you know i was driving nice sport cars well there so i i was gonna go rent a sports car and he's like nah 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 the girls don't like that here they want these big ass trucks <laughs> and i'm like get the fuck out of here and he pulled up it was the first time i had met him Dude, and he was my size, you know, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, maybe. And, you know, my build, and literally, like, two steps to get up on this fucking truck. So there, in McAllen, if you roll up in a Lamborghini or a Ferrari, or you got one of them decked out nine-foot trucks with lights under it, with the sound system, you know, like when we were 16, right. they don't they don't care about the Lamborghini and, and the Ferrari. Oh, like the they want that there. big truck. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, outsider with that Lamborghini there, McAllen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the they don't like that it. guy. Yeah, who's that cracker out there? Yeah. I probably can't say that, but I'm a kind of, whatever, you know. But that's how it's crazy. It, it was really yeah. crazy. Yeah. Now, as far as 
you living there? Did you like the living atmosphere better there than here? You know, South Florida's home. I, I, I jokingly say I'll never leave again, um, but it's actually probably the truth. You know, it's just I have years of networking here. Um, I enjoy the beach. You know, I didn't miss it until I moved to Texas, and then I started like, wow, fuck. I didn't know how lucky I was, you know. I have kids, so we enjoy Disney and Universal. We go maybe three times a month. So <clears throat> for me, South Florida's home. Um, but Austin is an amazing city, bro. An amazing city. The live music. I like country music, believe it or not. So I actually do, too. Yeah. <laughs> I like Kenny Chesney a lot. Yeah. Kenny Chesney. I'm uh, really into Luke Combs right I now. I like Luke Combs yeah. and our uh, Rascal Flats. Yep, I love Rascal Flats. Yeah, they too. always come with that. I like George Strait. I like uh, Sammy Kershaw. I'm... I'm I'm weird in that regards. I like everything, man. So, but uh, Texas, Austin, it, it was great. You know, I was in Austin, so we had. If I went to San Antonio, I can watch the Spurs. Oh yeah. I can go to Dallas and watch the Mavericks. I could go to Houston and watch uh, baseball. And the Rockets. I'm a Cowboys fan. Yeah. Uh, so I was caught a couple of Dallas Cowboy games while I was out there. So I mean, it's just so much. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Cowboys are out there. I love the owner. I can't believe Jerry Jones. I love. I love him. I don't. He's care. the best, bro. I just love him. He's just so. He just <laughs> don't he, give a fuck. He's just the boss. Yeah. <laughs> he to me, he's. I got he's enough money to say I don't fucking care. Yeah, <laughs> I don't fucking care about yeah. you. And he looks good too. He hasn't yeah. aged in twenty years either. Yeah. He's looked the same in a cryo chamber at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got to go talk to them and see what him and Brady are doing, right? Right. And McMahon. I don't know what Brady's on something else, man. I don't know what the hell he got going. Ah, right, this girl probably got him some skin cream or some shit. She's Bro. making back there. But uh, so I mean, Texas, Austin's a great. Austin's great. Dallas is great. I didn't care for Houston much. Um, but uh, man, Austin was amazing, man. And with that tech boom that's going on out right now. Um, the housing market's insane there because people are moving there from California. They're buying everything up cash. So it increased the value of the homes there tremendously. So I bought a house there and made did did okay with it. Good for you. Um, and it's so big, man. And so much potential, you know. And the, the government, the, the red states got to figure it out, man. Yeah. Uh, the industry's booming there. It's growing. It's tons of people there moving there every day i mean it's it's a good spot i would say i have a rank at number two to south florida for sure yeah i've only been to mccallan and dallas and i just remember wanting to go to a game i don't know if it was a football game or bat but i had to go to houston and i didn't real i didn't realize how big texas was if you're in dallas huge. dallas to houston it's two three hours yeah. to get over there I mean, huge bro it's huge they say that ukraine's about the size of texas wow that's crazy. It's still a fucking big place. <laughs> I mean, Texas is huge, man. Huge. It's huge. And there's so much to do. It's, it's it's a different vibe. You know, you got hiking's really big there in Texas. And you have all this scenic hiking, hiking? you can do. Yeah. I'm going to fucking hiking. You know, you got to do it once or twice just to say you did it. Just say I did it, yeah. You know, so when people come visit me, like, you know, my girlfriend came out there when I was out there. So something different, you know, hey, let's go for a hike. You know? Did you ever kayak? 
I'm definitely afraid to get in one of those things and flip upside down. Good, 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 good. I'm glad you said that because I can use that because I'm not going kayaking. You know what? I, I have no interest. Me neither. I have no interest. Why do I want to paddle a fucking or whatever this shit No is? interest, bro. I don't want to. get on a boat and I don't want to paddle board. No. I don't want to. I don't want to move. No. If I go on any type of boat in the water, I don't want to move. Yeah. I want to pay somebody to move me. Right. Right? <laughs> We're working all the fucking time. I, I'm not paddling shit. I ain't paddling yeah. motherfucking thing. I don't care what you're offering me right, <laughs> you know right. I mean? yes i mean no i'm i just i'm probably too big for a kayak honestly i don't even know if i can get in it fit in it what are you right now i'm you're about three, 345 really you yeah. don't want 345 yeah but when you're solid like that you know oh, 345 fuck i don't want that right from you but <laughs> <laughs> i don't care <laughs> but is it cheaper to live there like rent, things like that. Like if you if rent, uh, rent a commercial was, property. Rent was when I was there was cheaper. Yeah, I would I would imagine. I don't think any market is keeping up with South Florida's inflation, as far as rent and it's it's insane. I don't think any market is keeping up. But they were moving pretty fast there too. From the time I got there, pre COVID September, to the time I left. The market was flying. It was flying. Yeah, but it, it still wasn't the three thousand dollars a month for a two bedroom apartment in West Palm Beach. My house went up two hundred grand. Yeah, let me tell you, my house is not worth five hundred grand. Like right now, it's it's not worth five hundred grand. Right. No way, no how, no way possible, and no right. way does it go up two hundred, hundred fifty thousand. Right. I mean, that's kind of scary. Well, it's it is insane. scary because it's got to pop at some point. Right. I'm thinking it's not going to really pop. I think it's just going to stop growing. Well, yeah. That would be yeah. the better outcome. Right. Where yeah. it just stays the way it, it is. Be, it, I mean, or that means a lot of people going to lose a lot, of, a lot of equity in their homes. But yeah. uh, I think with the, the interest rate's almost 5% right now. So that's going to chill everything out. And then I say I read a report in February where new home sales and new home builds are slowing down. That's good. Yeah, so because, that's great for me because I'm getting ready to build. build a yeah, house. yeah, because you got to get the land and then build right. on it. But yeah. now, now it's just not the time. Because, yeah. like you, you said, mine existing right now is you throwing. You might as well burn your money. Yeah, because you know, in two, three, four years, it's going to go back down. Yeah. I, I think that I never thought about it. What you just said—that's really important because it might just get to the point where nobody's buying anymore. Right. And then whoever did buy, especially here, the people that are buying here now. They like five hundred is like a you know drop in the buckets now. Right, you, you know, mean, where, where you're paying, from New York. You paying five five hundred grand. You can't even get a a box in no. New York for five hundred grand. No, the the Hamptons, a studio at the Hamptons is seven seventy eight hundred a month. I only know that because my friend was there before he got himself and jammed up. Seventy eight hundred for a studio. That's crazy. That means like it's just a like this with a uh, fucking an efficiency <laughs> <Yeah>. basically. <laughs> <laughs> so so Texas was a better pricing wise when you Texas, were there yeah it's probably still a lot more reasonable than south florida but i mean those these two markets right now nationally are just blowing everybody out of the water and their taxes are really good in texas is it, yeah. is it there's the same as here yeah same exact thing yeah because when no i was state tax no state yeah because when i was moving from pennsylvania it was either going to be texas california or here i want i liked la Right. But remember, not now. Right. This, this was 14. Right. Well, yeah, it was still. It was, was popping. Is that Arnold out there running the, yeah. the joint? Yeah, it was popping. But they really fucked that state they up. They fucked that state up. And even then, the, the only reason I didn't go to LA was because of the business tax. 
fucking crazy. You'll get right. killed. It's like uh, it's double what it was in Pennsylvania. I mean, it's right. just you know, you just you, it's not a, a business friendly state for sure. No, it's it's a celebrity friendly state that you know a million is nothing. You know, but right. yeah, it went to shit. But at the time, it was it was awesome to go to. But now this guy, fuck. Gavin, Gavin, bro, they got like twenty million ballots to get rid of him, and he's still there. Same with New York, but they got the new guy in New York. I don't know how how he's doing. The new mayor, yeah. Well, at least he took the mask mandates and the yeah. vaccine mandates out of there. Well, he took it out for the athletes, but oh, not okay. the people. No, oh, wow. Yeah, that's what's fucked up. So for the at, because remember, um, ah, uh, the point guard, really good point guard for the Nets. He played with the LeBron, Nets. uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, Kyrie Irving. So, like, he couldn't play when he went to New York. So that, the governor, mayor, whoever he is that you're talking about, <clears throat> he stopped the mandate for athletes. But workers, same thing. So if, if you want to work, you still have to have that. Wow, thing. that's crazy. Yeah. Well, sad. It's sad, too. You know? New York is single-handedly responsible for destroying the housing market in South Florida. New York and California those guys alone. Those guys better call, call down here and get a fucking, uh, get a little hand out there because... They put a lot of money in real estate yeah. markets, man. Yeah, where's the kick? Yeah, right? Jesus Christ. <laughs> and Cali, too. Yeah. They should be kicking Texas, and there's yeah. a lot of Cali here, too. So then when did you decide, I've had enough of Texas, I want to come back home? Uh, Really, it, was, it, it boiled down to my family situation. You know, I have a daughter from my first marriage. Congratulations. And, and um it made sense to get her closer to her mom. Um, and then my girlfriend, fiance, uh, we had a kid and she was, she never wanted to leave South Florida. She followed me because she was in love with me. I don't know what's wrong with her, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, she wanted the kid, her kids to grow up around her, her parents and her sister and her brother and the kids. So, you know, it was just too much pulling me back. Uh, the opportunity was right to go back to Monroe's. Always loved the owner there. He was always good to me. And the door was always open to come back. So it's like, why am I going to fight this? You know, the family, wants it doesn't, to, it doesn't you know. matter to me. I can live in a fucking box, you yeah. know? So if it's going to make them happy and if it's best for the family, then that's the decision I had to go with, you know? So the hell was it, right? I fought it for like a year and a half. And then I was like, you know what? Why am I fighting this? You know, I'm going to make more money back home. Everybody's going to be happy. I don't, my happiness is surrounded by them being happy. That's the basis of my happiness. So it's like, I might as well just give in. Yeah. Because you know, they're not, they're, you know, you know, they're not going to stop. It was going to happen eventually. Yeah. So it's either eventually going to throw in the white house. Right. So it's a, let's stop fighting. The opportunity was right. It, you know, the saying seize the time. It was, it was right there. So it just, you know, we came back. What I liked about Texas was it, it seemed to me when I, cause I had spent a couple of weeks there doing business. And I, I, I liked the fact that it seemed like not everybody was in your business. Like everybody's kind of, kind of like here, but more, in my opinion, more out there unless you were in a small area, everybody kind of just did their thing and mind their own business. They yeah. did what they do. They, you know, what he, what is he doing? Fuck him. Don't care. Don't know. That's just how people it don't give me. a fuck in Texas. <laughs> yeah. I they like really, that. I, I enjoy that too. They don't, I mean, they don't give a fuck, you know, they all got a pistol on the hip and they don't, don't give a fuck, fuck with me. I ain't going to fuck with you. 
We got yeah. that under control. All yeah. right. If, <laughs> if you need uh if you need some uh, moose, let me know. I got some out back, right? <laughs> yeah, they, you know? they don't care. And I enjoyed that part of Texas, yeah. too. You know, that people believed in giving people that space and your rights as a person and just, you know, it's not bothering me. Leave me the fuck Yeah, they, they believed in giving you your own self-space and your family privacy. And if you yeah. need something, you'll come to them. And if they need something, they'll come to you. Otherwise, we just exist here. That's right. what I liked about it yeah, when it I was there. Yeah, and it's... And it, so many people that they don't have time really yeah you know well like pennsylvania if i go back now the same people that were doing whatever they were doing 20 years ago they're doing the same shit 20 years right. later they know when the neighbor coughs they know when the neighbor goes and takes a dump you know right. it gets you that's all i guess you call it small town usa all, all over it's the same way right i call that get yourself jammed up real quick <laughs> kind of town <laughs> unless you're gonna fucking... well, philly's so big too though it's crazy that it's 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 so big and people still like that. They're, they're just so nosy. Wow. It's just real nosy. It's not not like here. You know, I, I noticed the big difference here and especially Texas. Uh, Arizona was like that. People weren't nosy. Right. Like, you know, they kind of just mind their own shit. You know, I guess those. I guess because so much space, maybe people just so don't. much space, so many people, like you yeah. said, you know, and Philly, everybody kind of like sitting on top of each other there. Yeah, all sitting on top of each other. Everybody's going to the same pizza place to get their right. you know pizza, the thing that goes over, right. like the good pizza at night <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning. Right. You know, um, how about uh, Gino's? Uh, what's the other place? Pat's. Yeah, Gino's and Pat's. See, which one do you prefer? I didn't like either of them. No, no, because I, I like Gino's. I like my steak chopped up. Oh, okay. So I like gym steaks. Do you ever have like gym steaks? Do you? I've had every, every... I go to Philly maybe once a year, and I eat... Cause what's that? Geno's is right across from Pat's, right? Yeah, they're right across from each other. So I go and I eat a, a, a Pat's, and then I go to Geno's. Because I always forget which one's better, so... I prefer Geno's. They you you don't want, you like the one that's just a slab of steak and the... But they, they chop it. So oh, okay, so you like Pat's because yeah, Pat's chop it a yeah, little yeah. bit. Gino's just slaps it and puts the the cheese on yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. I think but no. When I I just had Gino's, they they chopped it. Maybe it's the other way around. Yeah, I don't I, know. it was good. Either way, I mean, it's good for yeah, uh, it's good. I like Jim's. I like Jim's. I like Jim's too. They got that uh the little heat packet. Mm. You put the heat packet oh, on there. Banging. And you know Miami subs is up there too. Is it really? Yeah, they they were there when I was there. They oh, were there wow. in 08. I never seen a Miami. Yeah, we we were like fucking. I never Miami. seen the Miami subs outside of Florida. Yeah, Miami subs is on uh, Walnut Street in oh, wow. uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, bam, fucking I, hot all I day. I like long. going to Philly for a day, and then that's, that's about yeah. as much as I Kinda can. Kind of in and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason, I was I was surprised they they put marijuana recreational. I thought they would be the last fucking right. place. They're before us. Right. Well, it's a lot of the blue states are. Moving out of the way with that that legislation, they're letting it happen. You know, they should. In my opinion, they should. I think they should. Hey, look at all fix the economy in Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> Colorado, Portland. Yeah, go look up Portugal, the country. Fucking crime rates down eighty percent. Everything's wow. legal. You wow. can walk in buy heroin, coke, whatever you want. Right. If you get nailed, you go to a real rehab, like right. real rehab. No but charges, it, no nothing. They're saying that you know, legalizing it could potentially have an adverse effect on addiction. So when you make it legal, you're going to have less addicts. Well, big farmer don't want that. No, for sure not. Cause we, we, you know, they, they want to keep pumping you with the suboxins and all the shit that yeah. is just a band aid and not work so that they can keep yeah. helping 
the uh, cartels bring it in because right. I've had the real narcos in, and the government helps them bring it in. For sure. For sure. Obviously. There's no way you get that type of shipment Hell, and nobody no. knows about it. Man, they you got can't even fucking wipe your ass and yeah. nobody know about it. Either. They got 17,000 fucking satellites up there. They can see through the ground like heat radiation, right. you know, oh, wow. on that. Yeah, well, you know, like the satellites can see it down like heat. heat. So the, if there's 10 bodies through a tunnel, right. there shouldn't be any heat in a tunnel, right? Right, right. You know, up. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, what that's the just like they say about the, the guns in the, in the urban areas. Like, how the fuck are they getting there? Probably because the cops don't want to go in there, which I don't blame them. I knew uh, I knew a guy. I don't know. I, I can't remember his name, but he would get trucks of guns and just you know, they just appear out of nowhere. I'm and, sure. And military grade guns, you know. So it's yeah, and, and when they're military, that would mean that they came from the military, <laughs> and, I, I, unless they you know, U-Haul just, trucks. Of, oh, oh, okay. U-Haul trucks of it. <laughs> just. Plain, plain daylight too. Right, <laughs> I was gonna buy fifty cal off them. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't doubt it. You know, they just left sixty-five million worth of weapons with uh, Afghanistan. Right, you know. So what the fuck? So now obviously you, a little loose, a little loose with the uh, inventory. <laughs> and then this guy the other day tells says on national TV in uh, Poland that uh, Putin should resign as a leader. Like, is he trying to get? Is he trying to push this nutcase? To send something over here because he can, and you know China's right behind him. Right, fucking nutcase, bro. He's gonna get us all fucking whacked. Yeah, he's not doing a good job. <laughs> I don't. Whether you right, left, indifferent, if you're critical of him, you have to be honest with yourself that he's doing a terrible job. Yeah. And I'm not right, and I'm not, you know, I've had Roger Stone and or whatever, but I'm not for either. They're I'm, both. I'm down the middle. Me too. I'm for whatever is good. I don't care if they're Democrat. I don't care if they're in the middle, whatever that one's called. I don't care if they're Republican. Whoever is the best is who I want. Right, for sure. You know, and this is definitely not. It's, it's actually a little embarrassing that, I mean, the only people we can produce as a country is Joe Biden. Just, just imagine. Imagine, Mario. You run. You're a manager, right? You got to have big time meetings. Imagine Joe Biden. Imagine what King John Un thinks of Joe Biden when they sit down and talk. And Biden says, "Yeah, how are you?" King John Un is thinking, "Hmm, what nuke do I want to work on when I get back today?" <laughs> right? Definitely not a deterrent. No, fuck. Nah, what are you gonna do? We have no control over it, so just keep grinding. So now you leave Texas, you come back to Monroe's. Now, when you came back, how different was it from the, when you had left? Because you had left in 15, 16. Now you go back in around 21, 2021. 20, Did you notice a big difference? Well, I left in, um, I left in 19. So when oh, I came, excuse me, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So when I came back, it was only, you know, they were closed for COVID. Everybody was closed for COVID. And, you know, not much can change when you're not open, you know, yeah. you know? but, uh, the, the system that we, that the owner created there and the management philosophy and the mission statement is very hard for that to change because it's such a strong structure that it would almost have to be purposeful for it to change. Right. So like the system, the system wasn't broken the place was the same, you know, 
So I was just a familiar face coming back. So if anything, it just a guy that added some comfort comfort level to people who hadn't been there in a while or whatever the case may be. But the, the system was as strong as it was ever when I left, and it was the exact same when I came back. Good. I'm glad to hear that because why fix something that isn't broken? Right. That, I see that happen all the time with people that, you know, they, they think, oh, well, if I do this, I make it better. But meanwhile, they're blowing shit out of the water. Just let right. it go. <laughs> you know, just let it go because that one little change can right. kill everything. So it creates that ripple effect, you know? Yeah. Now, during the pandemic, they still had to pay rent for Monroe's, right? Right. They didn't no, get it. No, 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 no. Um, they own the building, so. Oh, they own the yeah. building? Oh, shit. Imagine property. if they didn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they own the property, so I mean, there was a uh, free, Freedom Gym in New York. I was doing all the marketing for them. They had a close. It was like a, it was a place like when ball players would come in and athletes and whoever didn't want to be bothered, they would go to this gym. And I did all the marketing. Well, it was in New York, and during the pandemic, they were down eight months fully. And now, for you to go in there one day, twenty five hundred. Oh, wow. Well, it, so it was private. So, like, nobody. Definitely not a free gym. No, no, no. <laughs> Only no. freedom. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you, know, you know, like seven, day, seven days free. And then if you want to sign up, no. Right, it was, right. But it was for people that were traveling in there that didn't want to be bothered, right, right. you know. But what they did, what happened was a lot of these super rich people, you know, because I did their website, you know, I can't say the names, but more than well off people. What they, what they did was during the pandemic, 2,500 a month of these people is nothing. The names, I'll tell you off the thing, nothing to them. They actually went and changed their credit card number or bank account number so they couldn't do reoccurring. So 82% of their clients changed their routing number, debit card or credit card. So then when they would go to pool monthly, there was nothing to pool. So for nine months, they were only able to reoccur payments at an 18% ratio when their income on a monthly basis was $4 million. Wow. Eight months times four, you just lost twenty four million. Wow, that's crazy. I had a couple of buddies up in um had a buddy up in New Jersey with an MMA gym and a and the gym owners really took a blow with the way the local governments handled the COVID, man. It should have always always been your individual, you make the decision that's right for you. I I never understood it, but you know, when they have an agenda, they have an agenda. Yeah. You know? And and it's all agenda too. That's all it is. You know, it's the the left trying to make the right look bad. Oh, you guys mismanaging this thing, and they forcing and pushing stuff the wrong way. But it, I mean, honestly, it should always be you're healthy American, and you do whatever the fuck you want. I don't get it. I I don't think there should be two parties. It's no, just it's just like run, just run, and whoever gets picked gets picked. Because otherwise, right? Like whenever somebody tries to pass something good, usually. They're like either the Senate or the House is the opposite. And then it's just running, whether it's a good president, bad president, okay, half the time they're just running their head into a wall right. because nothing gets passed. Because they're fighting each other. Fucking crazy, man. But, Even if it's a good bill, yeah. no, we can't pass it. Just because of whatever side is in power at the time. Right. You know? and when you really dig into those bills, though, you see that there's a lot of fucking shady shit going on. Those bills There's are like money the, going to this wow. this organization. Money going to they always work it in the fine print too, and it's like we know that you guys are getting handouts. Hell yeah! <laughs> it's like that you know when you go sign up for any social media site, nobody reads all that disclaimer. Right. But in that is hey, we're gonna put spyware in. We're gonna record what you say. You know all kinds of shits in, but right. nobody reads it. 
and even if we did read it, we wouldn't understand it. We'd have to spend ten, <laughs> ten grand on a fucking lawyer to tell us what the hell it means. Right. And some people just don't give a fuck about it. Fuck it. <laughs> like fuck it. You know, I stay away from the shit. You know, I go in there, post for business, and I'm out. I, if I, I say all the time, if I wasn't in the the nightclub business, I would get rid of my social media. Me account. and you both. I have no interest. Because it's, I need it for what I do, but man, I would love to just take a break from it. Me Because it, you, if you really start looking at the time we waste on that. Bullshit. We could all go back to college already. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all you see. Everybody's always on their phone. Yeah. If I didn't have it with uh, the marketing and YouTube and Spotify, I would, I would, I'm like you. I would, I would go on it maybe just to laugh at the idiots yeah. once in a while, but that's it. I honestly would just get rid of it, man. It's just so time-consuming. Time-consuming. And then mama. right around election time, it just gets uh, so fucking disgusting on there with people arguing. and I know. It's fucking draining. I, dur actually, during the election, I, I would actually not go on that much during the election season because it was just getting to the point where it's like, you guys need to fucking find a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> They did a study on like how bad they are because when it's it's called open source. So when it's open source, you could see everything that they do. When it's closed source, you don't know what they're doing. Kind of like locked and unlocked. So when it's unlocked, you could see everything that's within. And when they did uh, TikTok, it was the worst of any of them. More spyware. Every time you click that uh, TikTok app, more spyware gets put on than any other app. Wow. Even Facebook. That's crazy. <laughs> right? But it was a, originally a Chinese. Still a Chinese. Yeah. It, what happened. It just went through a different. Well, what's kind of funny is, is that when Trump was in, right, they made the deal with uh, not Universal, but a company like Universal. So while Trump was in, Universal was at the top. So of of the paper, the paperwork. So it looked like Universal merged with the Chinese, but Universal had the percentage. The second he got out, the Chinese guy who actually was running it the whole time, he comes out and does a Netflix documentary about Netflix, or I mean about TikTok. And it's 100% Chinese owned. I'm a coder by nature, so I can right. code. <clears throat> when you go into the code, it's all China. Wow. All. That's crazy. All. I never downloaded TikTok. Again, I only do it, I throw it like, this video here, I'll take a three minute like funny clip or just something interesting to, to draw, post it up, leave. Right. In and out. You know what I mean? I don't I don't mess yeah. with it. But with just, especially with yours, you have to use it. I have to. I have to. It's required. Is it is it actually? <laughs> I require my staff to do it sure. and I gotta lead by example, you know. Yeah, yeah, you have to. You have to. So now you're back at, now, how do you manage I always wanted this with guys like you, and I and I respect it. And congratulations! How in the world are you able to maintain a relationship but manage a gentleman's club? Because I don't know if I've ever met a woman in my life that would be okay that would not chop my balls off. Right. But then again, I'm not exactly in the past. I haven't exactly been the best guy in the planet either. Right. So it did probably have something to do with my first marriage and abruptly <laughs> you think maybe a little maybe, bit maybe a little bit <laughs> um it wasn't the only thing but maybe a little bit but after my first marriage it only dated girls that understood the business right in my 20s i was a nutcase i told you that tootsies was the most fun at 200 girls a night another 50 servers working and bartenders you know 
What, we are, you gonna, were, what are you going to do? We were routinely called in the office about our behavior in that yeah. place. Right? So I learned the hard lesson, you know, that it's better it's better not the shit where you eat. And the older I got, the more responsibility I got in, in the buildings that I would work in and the more money I made, it really drove home the fact that you got to treat this like a business. So essentially, you know, that's all I do. I treat it like a business. It's not my playground. I'm not going to be running around fucking all the girls because once you fuck them, you lose leverage. Right. Right. And and management in a way, in a very special way, is about enabling people and leveraging people to do or meet your expectations. Now, when you now when you put it like that, with the right girl, I could see how they could accept that because you're saying, "Look, I'm I, this is a business. If I go fuck this girl, now she's got leverage. Leverage as in she can go tell the person that's a, up above me, and I no longer have a job, or there's a possibility that I won't have a job. Right, right. <clears throat> or you just you lose the respect of everybody around you. So when you become one of those guys that's banging all the girls they don't respect you as a manager, you know, because they think they can just fucking get out of whatever shit that they did wrong. Yeah, And I've seen guys, I've seen guys that, that, you know, the sweet dicks that, you know, think it's okay. And it always blows up, man. It always blows up in your face. And I learned that in my twenties, when I first became the GM of Spearman Rhino, when I was, excuse me, when I was a manager at Spearman Rhino, I was banging one of the servers and she was, a nutcase. So she would get drunk at work and like chuck ashtrays at me. Oh, she turned psycho. Right. Oh, <laughs> right. After work yeah. in the parking lot, pulling and ripping my shirt, accusing me of having sex with other people. And it was just like, I don't ever want to fucking hear this again because right. you can't respond how you would respond because you're at work. So it's like, you got to kind of take it. <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare. Bro. Yeah. It's like you're, you're at work it's what is your place of work and it's a girl too. Right. So you what what can you, you have really, no recourse. You have no you recourse. You got to fucking take it. Yeah. And I mean this girl was smoking hot but she was nuts. And you know like I, nuts I like almost run me over one time, you know like Oh, oh like, she su- was like super nuts. psycho bitch. Right. Oh, psycho. okay. Yeah. So you just imagine how much shit I had to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mario, you should have <laughs> slowed down when you were giving her that, you know, when you were giving her the old Mario, right. you know? I wish I could take credit for her craziness, but I think she might have just <laughs> She's the fucking nut to begin with? <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of them around. Right. So I just learned that for, I'm not a guy that makes the same mistake twice, right? That's so, cool. Lesson learned. <laughs> how, how did you get your mind like that? So, you know, you just said you never made... You, you don't make the same mistake twice. How did you get your mindset like that? Because me, I'll make it. Well, I'm better now, but forever. I mean, it would take a lot of mistakes for me to right. learn. How how did you get to that point where, you know, you realize, okay, if I make a mistake, that means don't do it again because this is what, like, how did you get your mind wired like that? I, I really think most of, like my outlook on life has just come from being an athlete and a martial artist, man. So it's like, um, you know, when you when you compete in, you know, you make a mistake, you you learn from it and you move on, and you know, it's just kind of like, it's still like training, it's like sparring, but using your mind, you know, like 
the more you the more you do something the less likely you are not to succeed at it you know so when you just kind of learn how to bounce back from mistakes and and you know compartmentalize it and and put it where it goes and you work on a game plan you just execute and that's kind of just from sports man do you do zen no you you just remind me of a zen like no nah, man i'm just like uh i'm not even into that stuff at all man in, yeah in the least bit man i'm just like a realist so you know i brought it up because of phil jackson right i follow the bulls and and just your thought process naturally is kind of a, a right. zen like thought like I very calm they're from uh, like but I'm said, a calm guy though. I'm very even tempered. So everybody always saying, "Oh, you're so calm," but you know, I don't know. Just well, it's good. Well, then you don't act out of fucking character, right? You know what I mean. And when where you're at, fuck, you can't act. I, I can only imagine what you'd like to do most nights, but you're able to compartmentalize, and that's why you've lasted this long in this industry. I right. mean, to go out, you know, 15 years in in this industry, that's not common. No, it's not. At all, it's not the high turnover rate in the bar business, and especially the night adult nightclub business. Even worse, yeah. Even worse. How do you go about whatever club? It doesn't matter which one. When you're managing, are you the, as the manager? Are you the one who vets the girls? Do you vet who is hired and who isn't hired? So every every club is going to have a their own system, right? Um, at our club, every manager has the ability to hire a girl, right? And and there's no real vetting system in place per se. It's basically a total, what does the show look like? Is she a girl? Is she the right size? Right. Is she, can she speak English? Um, you know, is she entertaining on stage? You know, if she's the right size, how does she look with her clothes off? You know, and that's all a perspective, a perception thing. So what I think what I do when I hire girls, and I can only speak for me, is I try to find girls that would be attractive to a broad audience, right? So those girls who are like a niche, like a, a girl with a giant ass, right? I, I, I don't really hire girls with giant asses because it's only attractive to a certain group of people, right? Um, I won't hire a girl with a bunch of tattoos if we have a, you know, we got one that's phenomenal, but I won't hire another one because most 50-year-old business professionals don't think that's attractive, even though I like it. You know what I mean? I don't mind I don't mind big asses, but I don't hire girls based on what I perceive as attractive. I hire girls based on what does a broader audience, what does a guy from Oklahoma, what does a guy from Kentucky and New York if all three of those guys were sitting down, they're going to find this girl attractive. Uh, that's a great thought process because even if a guy does like a girl with tattoos, it's not like he's not going to like the girl that's super hot without tattoos. Right. But if it's a guy that doesn't like the tattoos, then she's one dimensional no. and that's all she's going to get. Right. That's really and it, smart, man. And it's in our building's very unique because we cater to business professionals and a higher end clientele. So, you know, if They're I was if I was in Miami, then old, I'll hire a bunch old. of girls with big asses. Yeah, right. You know what I mean. So you got to understand. You got to understand your your brand. You got to understand it's you know you got to understand your your gas base, and then you got to make those decisions based on who you're trying to be as a as a club and 
who you're catering to when they come in the building. So it's it's um you know, it's no real system I guess you know in any club in America. As far as that goes, maybe the system is that Peter is the guy that hires all the girls, you know, or you got to go see an entertainment manager. But uh, in that regards, every system is going to be different. But as far as hiring girls, it's kind of just based on whoever's talking to that girl, if they think she's hot or not, you know. So it sounds like it's like it's based on I think your your strategy is the best. And I've heard a number of different ones because it sounds like you base it on where you're at atmosphere, right? Because like Miami big ass, tattoos, fake boobs out the ass. Miami's Miami's a music video. Yeah, Miami's a music video. Yeah, right. But then, you know, Texas might be, they don't like the fake shit. No, they want the real shit. They do. Right? So then- And they okay with a little chubbiness, you know, Yeah, they're all right with a little little bit, little lip over the belly, right? Right. So then you would tend to that. That's that, right. that's a so great my, strategy. My my hiring in Texas, there there were girls I hired in Texas that I wouldn't hire here in West Palm Beach. Yeah, I, yeah, obviously. you know because <laughs> again, this is the land of milk and honey. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. everybody's hot here. You know what I mean? Yep. So when you, and you know, got you got a girl with with a centimeter hanging over that right, uh, tong. Know, yeah, right. What's he doing with that? In, in Texas, they don't care. They like, want it. You they go like into it. clubs in Texas, and the servers are overweight. You know, the bartender's overweight. But we would never hire girls like that here in South Florida. Most places, anyway. Most clubs that are what I would say top tier clubs wouldn't hire girls like that. And it's unfortunate, but it's the beauty business. Well, I guess if you're like that, go to Texas, you'll get hired, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> or you're gonna have to go work at one of the smaller clubs, you know. But that's in a need, you know, or just for people. And then that's also something that affects how you hire girls, right? Yeah. So, like if you go to a club and you got 10 girls working and two don't show up that day, then you're a 10 girl club. You're going to might, you might hire the chubby girl. Like know? cheetahs, you mean? No, I think che- cheetahs, are, cheetahs, I wouldn't say is in that spot right now, but no, I, they, they were at one point though, aren't they? I've always liked cheetah. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. I, <laughs> no, I've, yeah, I I've like actually, those, honestly, I've never been there. I, I like those working. guys. Cheetah is, cheetahs is a good, they have, everybody has their niche here in West Palm Beach, right? Yep. So like, Rachel's and Monroe's, we occupy that that top tier gentleman's club space, and then in that space, Monroe's is a you know adult nightclub, high energy dance music, party atmosphere, and then Rachel's is more of a you know sit back and traditional trip uh, gentleman's club feel, and then you have the Cheetahs and the Spearman Rhinos of the world who occupy that titty bar space where you know. You're going to hear some rap music. It's going to get a little crazy. You know, you guys can go in there and have a good time. You know, every club has its niche, you know. So I think Cheetah's niche has always been that blue-collar crowd here. And their day shift is one of the better day shifts in West Palm Beach. Is it? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, if you want that titty bar feel, you're going to go to Cheetah. That's Big Moreno. Yeah, and just for the record, I meant nothing bad against no, Cheetah no, just, because there, there's a lot of guys that maybe they only have you know 150 bucks and they want to have a good time. Right. And just from what I've heard, I've never been there personally. Right, right. That that that's kind of like <clears throat> like the C scale, and then you have from what I've seen, right, like the Cheetah, and then the, there's a couple other ones like that. That's kind of like C, and then scores would be like the B kind of. Right. Area. So I would, I would honestly, scores is a titty bar feel too, right? Yeah. 
So I, I would say that I wouldn't rate them based on like a grade, you know, a, a per se. I would say that every club is going to have a different niche, right? So yeah. when you look at a when you look at a cheetah or a scores, they're great places to go have fun in, but they're titty bars, right? And yeah, that's, that's right. kind of what they that's the environment and the atmosphere that they're cultivating in those spots. So some guys, even if they got a million dollars in the bank, they don't want to be in a gentleman's club because it's not crazy enough. Yeah. Right. So they're going to go where they're comfortable and that's going to be, you know, titty bars where you can whistle and yell and holler and scream. And the girls are a little more, you know, loose. Lenient. Right. You know what I mean? So everybody has their niche, right? So you, it's like comparing apples to oranges. So that's why I wouldn't give them a grade because they're not us and we're not them. That's a great way to put it because that's like going and getting a McLaren, right? You know, that's going to go 300 miles an hour if, you, if they took the governors out, the fuckers. Comparing it to a, a Toyota. Toyota's a good car. Probably going right. to run longer than the McLaren. And going to save a lot more money. <laughs> right, you're going to save a lot more money. But you'll probably eat a Happy Meal or a you know, value meal in the fucking Toyota, but you're not going to eat the Happy Meal in the fucking McLaren, you know right. what I mean? But taking right. nothing away from the Toyota, you know what right. I mean? Great a way, that's a great way yeah. to put it as a businessman, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed by that. Right, and I, and I'm, again, I'm friends with all those guys too, so those guys do a great job of what they what they want to do. That's what they want. They, that's the environment that they're cultivating. I watched, I watched the McGregor, McGregor fight with Floyd at Scores. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah, I just went there to see it, check it out, Right, and uh, I, I should have went to a different place, but that's where Anthony's. My, I love mind. Anthony DeRosa. Yeah, there. Have you yeah. you know Anthony? Yeah, that's why I went for Ant- yeah. Fran. I know him for a long time. Yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. from here, I don't think. I think, yeah. I think he's from up. North. Yeah, he's no, he's a northern boy, yeah. but he's been here a long time. He's a good guy. Very good guy. Yeah, I, that's good why guy. I have a lot of admiration and respect for him. Yeah, very very nice guy. Yeah. Very good and loyal guy too. Oh yeah, he's the best. Yeah, he's a dying breed. Yeah. Sure. Uh, 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 what's that? A uh, rare species? Yeah, or, or about to be extinct? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you think um, McGregor should have? I mean, I know for the money, should have fought Floyd. That I'm I'm conflicted on that. Honestly, I, I'll tell you why. It's because I think um, it was great for McGregor for financial reasons, right? But I don't think he did anything to help boxing. Definitely didn't help MMA. You know, I think Floyd dialed it back way back with Floyd could have knocked him out probably the first round. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between boxing and MMA. Boxers throw thousands and thousands and thousands of punches over the course of their lifespan. And they're so efficient and so crisp from a fighter's perspective. I think it was a waste of my time because he didn't really fight him. No, he, he didn't couldn't, really fight he, him. He couldn't get some. He didn't fight him. I, I mean, McGregor, has never been known for his cardio. So, you know, even though Floyd wasn't really, I don't think Floyd was really punching with intention, and I don't think he was punching enough considering Floyd Mayweather. And um, I don't I don't think it was a good fight. No, I don't I didn't, I didn't enjoy watching it. I'll tell you. Besides the fact that I wanted to see him get punched in the face because he talked a lot of shit. Yeah. Other than that, I didn't enjoy watching it because from a – from a technical standpoint, I don't think it was a boxing match. No, and Floyd would have killed him anyway. Yeah. But it, but Floyd did take a shot. He did take that yeah. one shot. Well, yeah, yeah, there we go. We talked about that puncher's chance, you yeah. know. So, I mean, anybody, you know, I can fucking go throw a punch at somebody, you know, anybody can throw that one punch, you know, but 
sustained over time is the issue. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, for him to go against probably, in my opinion, the best defensive boxer ever, you can say what you want about Floyd. I mean, Man, nobody can deny that he's one of the best boxers in the history of boxing. The history. He, he, you can't deny it. If you deny it, you're just a hater. The only person that ever really hit him was what, Sugar Shane Mosley? He, he, he knocked he him down, right? Knocked him down, yeah. Yep. Other than him, I can't think of one person. Cause it, Oscar De La Hoya hit him. Uh, oh, yeah, he times. did. Yeah. But it, uh, not a lot of clean shots, though. He punched a lot at him. But in people who that don't know boxing, like, oh, man, it's a close fight. But nothing really connected. No, no. They they were all, because Floyd had moved a little bit, so it was kind of a brush. Right. But, rolling uh, with the punches. But you know? Shane hit him head on. Right. And uh, Shane's one of those guys, man. I like, I've like. i always liked they, Sugar Shane, man. Dude, he throws whales. Yeah. But but And back then, Floyd was taking major fights. He wasn't picking and choosing like right. he does I now. Right. I mean, and... And he's just so he's so defensive. People kill me with that too, though. Like all of the haters, you know, like oh, he fought this guy then. He fought, uh, yeah, he he maybe he fought Pacquiao when Pacquiao wasn't on the rise anymore. But bro, it's still a business. Still a business. I, why Pacquiao's am I going to take a fight? Why am I going to take a fight with a dangerous guy and the money's not there yet? Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm already I've already did that. I'm at the top of my career. I'm not gonna take a fight. No, it's called a smart fighter. Yeah. Is what it's called, right? <laughs> not like me when I was coming up. They was like, "Hey, you want to fight this UFC guy? My third fight." Like, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, right idea. Huh? Know, <laughs> I've been training for six months. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, there's no problem. I hate that too because they, they act. And then after the fight, they said that Pacquiao had a bad shoulder. Right? Well. If he had a bad shoulder, he was throwing pretty fucking good to me. And that's on you anyway. Yeah, hey, you cho- you chose to fight. Your shoulder was not good enough to fight. Stay home. It looked pretty good to me. Yeah. I don't know if you watched that fight. But I, watched, it, I, I watched that fight. was amazing. I watched that fight. I don't think his... Do you think his shoulder was bad? You know, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I wasn't there, but... I mean, I, just I'm from tell visual, you, I'm visually. A, he didn't look injured to me, but... That's kind of the nature of being a fighter. We all go into fights with injuries. Yeah. Right? Like, I hurt my shoulder right before I fought Rico Rodriguez. I had a trainer stretch me too far and just went to the doctor the other day after 10 years. I have no cartilage in my shoulder. Oh. It's like, I, I, let me let me put it to you in ways you understand. I said, what's going on? He was like, how old are you? I'm 39. He said, well, your shoulder's 79. <laughs> Thanks for the good news, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so what can I do? He said, just keep going until you can't take the pain. I was like... Well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. But so, you know, it happens. That's a, you get injured, you fucking suck it up and you do it. Like, it's nothing to talk about, you know. You signed the contract, you got in the ring. Hey, you got paid, pal. But look. You signed up for it, bro. That fight, Pacquiao gave everything he had, and Floyd was just on his game. Man, he's just so he's hard so to hit. And it makes you more tired when you throw punches and you miss them. Hell yeah. And, you know, people always say he's boring, but if you're into boxing and, you know, you're you're a fighter. I, I was a fighter for six, seven years, you know, when I was younger. I'm into it. And I yeah. like I like those fights because you and I, we watch them with the points and the hits and how, right. they're, you know, they're hitting the body to We're weaken the guy. We're looking at the technical end of it, you know. Yeah. But in those drunk guys in the bar, they just want to see people well each other. You know, that's yeah. not boxing. No, I, I like because my trainer had always taught me when I was trying to get the golden gloves. As soon as the, the fighter gets in the ring, he's going to go like this. And whatever fist is higher is the weak spot in his jaw. So keep going at the body because I was smaller. You know, keep right. going at the body until you get that opening where he puts that one down. And my trainer was right. Every fought, every single fight, when they would come out, whichever one was higher, nine times out of ten was the spot to hit. 
and I might have had to go six, seven rounds and just, you know, and take some blows, but right. hit the body. The eventually, body. the hand's going to come down. Because eventually, you're going to give them that kidney shot, or if you can get a good rib shot, which you know with the power you got. You right. hit somebody in the, in the ribs with a good, you go with a one, two rib on the right, and then back with the left in the kidney, you know a couple of them, they're going to go down a little bit with right. their hands. The hands are going to come down. And then naturally. as a boxer, you can yeah. just, right? Well, you, those body shots fatigue you. Hell yeah. So eventually, your hands are just naturally going to come down. And if a guy's really welling you with a good liver shot, you're going to start dropping that hand to protect yourself, you mm -hmm. know? So then you go right over the top. That's what I was trained in. I, I think really that's how I want. And right. and I put a lot of work in, too. Right. You know? Conditioning is, a, conditioning is Man, one of the biggest parts of the fight game. Because oh, no matter how talented you are, if you can't breathe... <laughs> You're done. <laughs> I have I have a bag now at home, and I you know I remember we used to because in in uh, Golden Gloves they they go ten. I don't know what they do now. They probably put it down to four, and everybody gets a trophy. Who the hell knows? Right. But you know that bullshit. But now you know I'll practice at home, but I I'm not getting hit back. But you know I, I'll time it as if I'm doing around. After three rounds, I'm dead, and right. I work out every day and run. But then. You know how it is. I'm not getting hit back. Right. So I'm not getting that adrenaline right, that right, I usually right. would where even if I'm tired, I'm so pumped from mad from getting that punch. I'm ready. I don't need 30 seconds. Let's right. go. And know? also cardio condition. Running is not boxing condition. Fuck no. Fuck you know, no. Like People your, need to understand that. Your shoulder. That. It's like everything, everything's got a different training. You <laughs> yeah. know, like for you to be a boxer, you got to throw a thousand punches. At least. A day. You know what at, I mean? At minimum. Even as an amateur, you do. Right. Because you so, got to you got to build that up because what I think people don't realize, like you and I did, you on a way bigger level, but me, both of us, you know, every time you're throwing, you're strengthening your shoulder, everything, not only to hit, but to take hits. Right. You know, and your joints and everything else. 100%. People don't realize it. They think that you just go out there and throw punches. We got to watch a fight together sometime. Yeah, bro. <laughs> because while all the other drunks just want to see a knockout, we can keep score. Right. Let's do what we think. You yeah, know man. I, mean? I love I love being able to sit down and watch fights. That's bro. what I like, it's too. It's the best. I, I get a scorecard out and everything. Do you really? Yeah, I like it I, because I, I like the sport. You know right, what I mean? For sure. UFC, I just, it's, it's so fucking brutal. I, I, I have a tough time getting into it because it's just so fucking brutal. Right. Well, you. you and I think it's very similar to how some people portray boxing. Like, there's a technical side of it that you got to, like, if you understood the technical side more fluently, then you'd be like, oh, actually, it's a lot more technical than boxing. Yeah. When there's another big fight and you have it on at the club and, and you're not busy or maybe it's your day off or something, I'll come and maybe you could show me, like, yeah, like yeah. the technical. Because so I don't know the technical. technical. To it, it's like... It's yeah. positioning. It's like it, how do you position yourself on the on the gate to not be trapped on the fence? You know, how do you position yourself to trap a guy on the fence? You know, it's, what do you do when you get a guy on his back? How do you get from that position? I mean, it's so technical. It's like if I would say boxing's checkers and MMA's chess for sure. Yeah, well, I'm sure because in boxing you're you're just looking at the blows right. and marking down if it's a point or not, really, right, right. and where the hit was. And certain defenses in boxing you can't use in MMA because you get need in the face. Yeah. I mean it's just it's very very technical. See, if I knew the technicals, I would look at it different. Right, I'm sure because now I just look at it like, man, these guys are taking straight fists to the head, left and right, and kicks, and well, I'm some like, of them are just taking. It. <laughs> you're right. I mean, I'm just like fuck. I mean. 
Like, I don't like watching the girls because they they beat the shit out of each other I, yeah, so I bad. Can't, I can't. I can't watch it. I, yeah. I, I the just, girls. The girls bother me. I mean, because like they really beat the shit out of each other. Beat the fuck out of each other. Yeah. More than the men do. Yeah. And they're very. And their hearts are a lot bigger too, man. The girl, a girl like fight. She has a huge heart, man. Right. And you know, just naturally, women bruise easier. Yeah. You know, it's just genetics, and they they're taking beating. They fucking so. go at it. Man. <sighs> I can't watch them sometimes. No, see, that's how I feel about the UFC. But if I would have, but if I would know the technical and and more look at it as movements and where where the points come from, right? I'm sure I would look at it differently. So you got to teach yeah, me for sure. <laughs> I'm down. So now you're in Monroe's. Um, so like, give me two out of all the places you've been, including Rick's. How was Rick's Cabaret? That used to be the like when when I was a kid, Rick's Cabaret was like the biggest thing ever. Right. So there. RCI, which owns and operates the Rick's location and Tootsie's and all that stuff, they're one of the largest adult chains in the world. So working for them and my mentor is the vice president of the company. Um, I'm cool with the president of the company and it, working for them was a very good experience. Um, so Rick's was, to me, was an amazing place to work. They Move, they let me completely go in there and do what I needed to do to get the numbers up and to fix it and get it going the right way. And the club's still doing good with me With me leaving. I left a good team in place, and they're fucking rocking it. Man, they, and they've been around forever too, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. So <clears throat> they've been around probably 30, 40 years. I don't know who the fuck knows. Maybe not 40 years. What's it, what's 40 years from now? Uh, uh, yeah, maybe 40 years. Uh, I, I just remember in high school when we're all 15, 16, that's what people would talk about, Rick's Cabaret. Yeah, so they, they've been around a long time, for sure 30 years. Yeah. Um, what's the one in, in Pennsylvania that, uh, what's her name, used to go to all the time? What, what's the big one in PA? It's in Reading, Pennsylvania. Is it Delilah's? I don't know. That's in Philly. I forget what it's called. I don't know. But a, a lot of big like uh, stars would go in there. Really? Yeah. And when you're a kid, you're like saving up money to go up there. Right. <laughs> Shit. Well, I know they got you got they got a Ritz in a Ricks in Pittsburgh. It, it might actually they be used Ricks. To have a Ricks in Philly, but it, it, now it, it's a Bucks it's a Bucks Cabaret. Okay, it, it's Ricks. It is Ricks. It, it is Ricks. But they, you know, it was nothing like here. I, I think they might have. I think they could only go topless. Right. I, I don't think they could. Yeah, go. some of those states are weird with the rules, man. Yeah. But I, I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy working for those guys. Those guys are still my friends. Um, so it's all love, you know. What was the mo when when you worked at Ricks? What you know? Because I, I think that everything you do in life, you can either look at as negative or whatever, or positive, or you can look at it if it's negative or positive as a gift. Because like you worked at Ricks, but you left, but you've gotten a gift that stays with you that led you to where you're at now. That you apply, I'm sure, something you learn at Ricks to where you're at now that's going to exceed where you're at in five years. Right. What would you say you took from Ricks? Yeah, I'm, you always kind of pick up something from everywhere you go. Cause in my thought process, you never really learn everything. So the day you learn it all, you got to just give it up because you're not going to get any better. But uh, Rick's, I think <clears throat> um, I learned uh, organizational organizational management of like multi multi multiple stores the way they Shut. systems that that will allow you to build multiple stores at a rapid pace wow so it's kind of a big thing to learn yeah know, i mean i just kind of watch 
watch kind of watching you know that's kind of how you learn you sit back and watch and you talk and you know i talk to my mentor all the time and i see you know some of the back of the house stuff and and how they go about acquiring different places and their process for going in and and uh revamping the acquisition or whatever the case may be and it, it's you know they're very good at it you're really tell you're, you're gonna run you're gonna run one of these one day i mean run 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 right you are you you got it you got it you got it all put together you really do yeah, i appreciate that bro think of like uh two funny two just fucking crazy stories throughout the 15 16 I, i'm sure there's probably a million but two that just pop out that are they were just absolutely insane where you're like is this fucking reality you know is this really fucking happening and then like what do i do here now right <laughs> i can only imagine how many of them there were <laughs> oh my god I wanna, some of them I can't even say because I was involved on a certain level. Yeah, that I, don't, don't, I probably don't want to. Yeah, I don't want out there in the universe. But um, no, because I'll get a conspiracy with right. you. you know what I mean, so I don't have very good luck with Spearman that. Rhino day shift. I'm in the club. I'm running the day shift, and a guy comes in in a Hooters girl outfit, like full on. White guy with glasses, chubby fat guy. I'm trying to paint the description for you. Forty five to fifty five, glasses, Hooters girl shirt, Hooters girl shorts, <laughs> stockings in the white shoes too. Oh, no. The full fucking outfit. He had the he had the the white socks pulled up and everything. The full outfit. Oh, bro. The full outfit with black shoes on. No, he had white shoes on. They oh, said, white you shoes. You know, they have the, the white shoes. Oh, yeah, they have the white shoes. Oh, boy. So he came in the club, full outfit. He sits down, and I'm, like, taken back right now. I'm like, is this fucking happening right now? Like, I I know it's weird shit going on in the world, but, like, this is pretty intense for a day shift at a strip club, right? The guy sits there for, you know, maybe five minutes. One girl... One girl who goes up to any guy that comes in the club, because most girls is like, I'm not fucking dealing with this weirdo, right? So the one girl who made the most money in the club, honestly, because she always go up to any guy that's in the club and she can get on their level. She was really good at what she did. End up taking the guy to the friction room. And then the next thing you know, the guy fucking start running out of the club. I guess he had finished in his pants oh, in shit. the friction room. And he like took off running. Out of like literally sprint out of the club, sprint out of the club, sprint out running. <laughs> but the crazy part about it, like you would think that that doesn't happen a lot, the the pants situation, but it does honestly. Um, the crazy part is that well, I guess you hired a good fucking now. Hooters outfit. <laughs> Wait, what the fuck is going on? I, I I don't know, bro. And you had to be there to see it because even this story, like I'm telling you right now, is it's weird, but. You didn't really, you can't really sense the gravity of what I'm telling you until you witness a 55 year old white guy with glasses walk into your club in a Hooters girl outfit. Yeah, that that beats the one I was going to come back with yet because I went to, uh, I went over to Benny's on the beach and I, I saw this guy and I had sat down at the bar. He had like a fucking weird like cowboy hat on shit, like ripped up shirt. Shoes looked like he, you know, walked through the mud to get right. there. I mean, it looked like he had $2 to his pocket. Later to come to find out, he owns the Four Seasons Motel over here. Not owns. He's the <laughs> main guy. Right. Probably making fucking... What do, what do you there's think? Some, there's some rich guys that, that, does, that do dress like that on a consistent basis because they just don't give a fuck. Yeah. 
You yeah, don't have to. You, especially down here, you never yeah. know. When I was working to. over there at the Breakers doing that Italian restaurant when I had the engineering firm, I would see guys walk in there. You would never think in a million years had more than you know a couple grand in their bank account. Meanwhile, you know the guy would pull their car up, rolls. One was a Bugatti, the $2 million right. car. Right. And this guy's in like a fucking uh, like Hanes t-shirt, shorts that are wrinkled as hell, flip-flops, didn't cut his toenails, and balling. Yeah, I had a, my, uh, one of my fight managers was like that. The guy was fucking on a cruise line. And <sighs> hotels and all kinds I of shit. never know. And he didn't have any flashy clothes. He wore like jeans from like maybe Walmart. They're not even like name brand stuff he was wearing. You know, his shirts would look faded and all. And the guy was. You know how long his bank account is though, probably? <laughs> I do. It's really, it was really, really long. So while me and you sit here. And we're saying, you know, he's wearing Hanes. Yeah, his bank account is from here to the moon. Yeah. You know, he can yeah. support uh, 10 generations. I got to get like that, honestly. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Well, you got the head in the brains. <laughs> right. So one more story is uh, on. we used to have a guy that used to come in the Tootsies back in the day, and he'd come in with like a, a brown paper sack. And in the brown paper sack, he had high heels. What? Fishnets <laughs> and a thong. And he would go in the room change over and then pay girls he'd get on all fours and pay girls to punt them in the balls <laughs> what the fuck? like punt like a like a like, football yeah like wow field goal kicked his balls that's the topper <laughs> that would be the topper i don't think you could beat that i have some other good great stories i have to tell you when we're not recording <laughs> all right well as for recording purposes that is gotta be that's pretty top. yeah that's pretty that's pretty and, and you're and running it, the club when this is happening i was a vip host when this was happening so and, it, it was pretty intense because the girls all loved it because there's a certain <laughs> sense of like the girls really want to abuse some of the guys that come in there because they're such cocksuckers you know yeah because they treat them like like they're right they're so like the girls animals. imagine girls getting paid to kick somebody to in, kick the balls. in the balls <laughs> They're probably lined up to take them to the VIP. Right. <laughs> right? uh, it's just all kinds of crazy stuff. Guys that want to be pissed on. I mean, you, you can just imagine the kinks that's out there in the world uh, and how a guy with money can come in and, and live out his weirdest fantasy sometimes, you know. And a lot of it has nothing to do with sex. Yeah. It's sexual for them, but it's not actually sex, you know. Like, this guy getting kicked in the balls, is, I mean, like, I don't think you and I think that's sexual at no. all. It's not. No, it, it sounds very painful, actually. And I hope and it never the, happens. And to pay for it on top of that. <laughs> yeah, to pay for like, it. You, he can literally go anywhere and get that done for free. When, even though I'm way smaller than you, if either of us got kicked in the balls, I'm going after him right now. Yeah, I don't, I'm not yeah. a fan of that. No, no, I'm, I'm not, not a fan, fan of that. that. <laughs> and I'm sure as fuck not going to pay for it. Right. That's yeah. the top. And I don't know how to, how the fishnets and the heels got involved. It's like, I don't know how that... Tra- like, you got a lot of things working there that's weird. Okay, you know? so let's think about this. So the heels maybe so he's higher up when he no, bends No, he was on all fours. But maybe with the heels it gets a better position. I like don't the, know. Like the ball type of thing? I don't know. <laughs> no, now, the fishnets, that's where I'm confused. Yeah, that's weird. And Must why have... does he got to put a thong on, too? Like, the girls all, when the girls saw him, they, they'd all get so happy to see him because... <laughs> They know that they get ready to go punish this guy. Thirty minutes, this guy getting kicked in the ball straight. Thirty minutes. I hope he doesn't want to ever have kids or anything. Actually, I hope he does. I hope he no, don't I'm have sure. kids. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking weirdo. <laughs> now, let me ask you this: When the girls go to kick him in the balls, are they kicking him with that four inch? You know, I don't know. 
Pretty good I, question. I never huh? wanted to be involved with it. it <laughs> I just hear the stories. They come out and tell me the stories, and I'm like, man, that's fuck. And this, and he also liked them to step on his balls with the heels. Of the oh shoe. man! So I guess they did keep the shoes on. Wow. Yeah, uh, he was a weirdo. I, I would highly recommend. And you would never know it by looking at him. He's just a normal run of the mill guy. Come in, you know, come in day, yeah. little, little fucking brown paper black. It's just weird. <laughs> That's the topper. That, yeah. that, that, I don't think you could beat that. Even, yeah. even if it's something crazy off camera, that's the that's the topper. Right. right. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. So you got you got the, well, you got two kids now, right? Yeah. Boy and girl, two girls. Yeah, two what? girls. You got two. I, I got, and of course, I got one on the way. What boy or girl? Girl. You knew I was gonna. Yeah, happen. it's my you, karma. I got girl too. Yeah, I'm sure uh, Joey's got all girls. Yeah, Fuck, it's just. So I get, but my oldest is uh, Isabella Gianna, and then cool name. My uh, baby now is Aria Capri. Love the name. And then I got Adriana Milan coming. Definitely got a tie in anyway. Yeah. 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 So why it's not? It's like a homage to my dad. My dad used to own a pawn shop here in Palm Beach. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. When's she coming? August 10th. Uh oh. Yeah. You got three. Now you got four girls to deal with. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, Four girls. Don't, please don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll stop it there so you're not in the doghouse when, when this comes out, right? <laughs> like, hey, Tommy, uh, you fucked me. <laughs> so where do you want to be in five years? And I'll let you get out of here. Uh, five years. What's your five-year goal? Honestly, um, you know, my goals are focused around providing wealth for my for my kids so i'm looking at to maybe doing some real estate investing eventually um obviously professional growth um but honestly it's, it's just about being in a position where when i'm older i can still help my kids man so um that is my job that i'm currently in i'm never leaving my roads again i promised promised scotty that i wouldn't leave and there's no reason to leave, right? So that's part of it. And then the other part is having those investments starting to pay off and provide even better life for, for my kids, you know? Can you franchise a Monroe's? Do they do that? <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. I'm sure anything's on the table for the right price. Yeah, maybe one you day know? you franchise so, one. Yeah. You never know. I mean, Scotty's a good guy. I mean, I get... He takes very good care of me. So, you know, um, I, I, I'm not worried about that end of it because he does. He, he takes very good care of his guys, man, and it, it's been an absolute pleasure working there. Um, and the company's going to grow. We just bought a club in Syracuse. Uh, so there's potential for growth, obviously, in the company. So, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm not going anywhere. And professionally, it's just a great decision for me to work there, you know. Right, right. And um, do you like, is there a quota that needs to be met every month? Because you know the billboards. Right. I mean, it's a great that it's paid off the the building. Right. You know? So um, you know, it, I don't want to know what the quota. Is. Right, right. You know, I would I'm never. Tell, to, yeah, right. I would never even mention numbers. I get no, I get killed if I mention. Yeah, numbers. no. I, I'm just asking so if there's a quota. Every and if you can't answer that, any just good dodge. sales, any good sales company or sales team should always set sales goals. So. Right. Um, we do have sales goals, and, and those goals are aligned with what we need to operate and where we want to be profitability-wise, et cetera. So, um, yeah, there are sales goals, and 
we are crushing the sales goals. So. Fantastic. And good for you, But too. the problem with crushing them is that Scotty always moves the chains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because now, now that's expected, right? Right, right, right. Well, so it's all good. That's he's a, a good businessman, too, right? Because right. he keeps pushing you. Keeps us pushing. Because if he's like, good job, Mario. Good, you're great. Then right. you're content. And you're like, oh, I did right. it. But if he's like, all right, well, I expect this. Then right. keeps you pumping. And yeah. makes you better in, in, in sure. return, you know? I, I was having this conversation with a guy earlier today about the level of expectations working with Scott and how it it's really pushed me into a space where I had to be, I want to be better than, you know, like I'm never going to settle one because I'm, I'm just not built that way. But two, it just keeps me on my toes, keeps me honest with it. And I appreciate it, you know? So I was telling them that growing up as an athlete, you're accustomed to, to that anyway with yeah. your coaches, you know? Coaches push you, and, and Scotty's one of the best coaches I've ever had in the business. So I think, um, you know, I'm I'm appreciative of the sales goals and the expectations, et cetera, you know. Well, it's making you a better employee. Mm-hmm. It's making you a better person and right. and also to progress. And yeah, it forces you to learn, you know. Yeah. Well, like you said, when you're playing sports at the level that we did, it's never good enough, right. ever, no matter what. Can always work hard. <laughs> Never good enough. And right. I, I sounds like you were raised old school. My grandfather was never good enough. Didn't no. matter what. Yeah, my granddad owned a, con- a con- concrete business, so I grew up doing working in the South Florida sun pouring concrete. So just imagine, and he would run the shit out of me too. <laughs> and what happened? What happened if you got in a fight and you came home? The first thing they asked is, "Did I win?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the first thing. Then they want to know why. And then, you know, as long as everything checked out, then I was in no trouble, you know? Yeah, pretty much the same with me. My yeah. my uh, my grandpa would say, well, what does the other guy look like? Right. And I'd be like, oh, no, he's worse than me. Like, okay, well, let's go check. He yeah. would he'd actually take me and check. And as long as I, I didn't look worse than the other guy, all right. Right. They, they, that's like the first question. Did you win? Yeah. I got in a fight. That, did you win? But if I got beat up, I got my ass kicked again when I got home. You I got can't in, do that nowadays. I got in trouble. You did too. Yeah. Right. Not my ass kicked. Because I guess when I when I was really young, I wasn't really I didn't like fighting at all. Honestly, when I was elementary grade, I was like, me too. I'm not confrontational. Nah, I, I didn't. I felt uncomfortable, you know. But now I'm in this place where you know I'm really to any occasion I can. Rest to. I I was just <laughs> we can I, go as yeah. crazy as you want to go. I can me go. Too. I was I'm, I I hated confrontation. I avoided it like the plague. But then as I got older and got into sports, my grandfather and you know they he forced me to do things I didn't want to do and wasn't comfortable. And now, just like you, yeah. confrontation. I I, I'm not seeking it out, no. but when it comes, I'm ready. Right. I don't want it, yeah. and I'll avoid it as much as I can. But like you, if it comes, it comes, and right. I'm not afraid to get beat up. You know, we all get beat right. up. Fuck. You know? and, and as long as you put up and you and do your best, if you fight back, whether you beat up or not, then you still did what you were supposed to do because you're a man, right? And they're yeah. not going to come back the second time. No, because they <laughs> even if they beat you up, they don't want a couple hits that we can get on. Right, them. right. You know what I mean? Well, because they they know it might go to different, it might go a different way the next time. You yeah. know? Yeah. So standing up is what you got to do, whether win or lose. You know? Yeah. Seriously, last thing this time. Now take 2022, the club and take 10 years ago the difference in everything as far as like what you can do what you can't do new rules new regulations is it the same in that in that uh lane 
No, man. This is totally different. This is a legitimate business now. And with all the litigation that's happened over the past decade, you are forced to be a professional at all times. And some of the dinosaurs in the business just don't have a place. You know, so um, like I said earlier, you got to treat it like a business. Uh, It is a business. Most of these places are doing multi-million dollars a year. You know, even in some of the smaller shittier clubs they're doing two three million dollars a year no i can't i can't believe it it's a real business you know when you're making that type of money it's not a fucking it's not a game right and then with you know all the the class action lawsuits with employment classification and labor laws and all that stuff you really got to cross your t's and dot your i's and and you have to be a professional because if you're not then when people leave they take stuff personal you know so one of the things I always, you know, try to do is if you stay professional and you're firm, and you're fair and you're consistent, then when it's time to drop the hammer, you don't have an enemy. You have a person that understands that they fucked up. Great. And that prevents a lot of the stuff that happens after the fact, you know, with, you know, a girl pissed off and then now all of a sudden she wanted to be an employee and not a subcontractor and blah, blah, blah. But if you're a professional and, and, Again, you're firm, fair, and consistent, and it's not a personal vendetta that makes a person go after you legally or whatever the case may be. So, when, when did you see that change happen? Like, what year did did it really like you? You know, like you walked in the work because these kind of because I know they did it with the bars when I had them. It was just like overnight, like one day everything fucking was different. Right. You know, I wish I could put a finger on it, like around, but I I think. It's, it probably happened a lot sooner than I think, but like I said, in my 20s working at Tootsie's, I was wow. I was not thinking about consequences or rules. back of the house or yeah. following the rules. I did everything in the business that you shouldn't do, right? So it probably happened around that time, right? But when I got to Spearman Rhino and I became a manager there, I came in as an MIT and, and shortly after I was a shift manager, then you start learning about the back of the house stuff, like the lawsuits and all this stuff. And then, you know, just naturally always want to pick up something to make myself better, uh, find some more knowledge on it. So I start digging into it and looking at it. And I would say that I noticed it probably in 2014. Yeah. I started noticing it. So maybe 2012, you know, it, it just kind of, there was a shift because, and it could have something to do with the market and the leverage that the club had, you know, with a much smaller club and a much smaller market and the girls were much different than the Miami girls. The Miami girls didn't give they don't give a fuck. They're making three to five grand a night. I know, I couldn't believe it. I I, I met they plenty give, of them. They don't I, give a damn what you're doing or what you're saying. Just I actually had a couple of friends down. Like they were friends, not fucking right. like friends. They were just cool, you know. Actually my friend was fucking them my friend you know what i mean but uh and they would be like yeah i made four thousand i said get that fuck out of here you didn't make no four thousand and then we would go to dinner with them the night after and lo, lo and behold the bitch the woman had 5500 yeah. i said damn yeah. i'm in the wrong business no, listen, listen. <laughs> I, i've seen it with my it's own eyes more common than uncommon that they make two to four grand a night unbelievable no matter what club they're in almost and a lot of them are just doing it to send it back home to their family in other countries and yeah. stuff you know so they got houses over there whatever the case may be so i mean yeah. um yeah the, i don't think the adult nightclub business ever gonna be like it used to well, you know there was a time where girls were getting thrown in dumpsters and 
know, oh, like, I, I, I caught the tail end of that. So I, I would say probably I noticed a change back in 2003, you know, because oh, yeah. 2004, because, you know, I would get, I was banging this girl that worked at um, the old Gold Rush. It's where Eleven is now. Yeah. And, you know, those guys threw her in the dumpster once. I had to go and get her money back from them and everything because, you know, the whole fucking thing. it's old school. She wasn't tipping and it was like, hey, fucking, they kept the 500 and they fucking tossed out the building. She got mouth and threw it in the dumpster. And I, I mean, that was the old school. That was the way it was back then. Uh, and I, I was I a tell in and something and you know and that, and that club was a rarity because most clubs had already shifted at this point but you know some of those mom and pop, pop spots you know you know the owner in the building playing around having a good time all the time you know you're subjected to whatever he think is okay you know and that's how it's gonna go or leave <laughs> you know they're stuck in their ways but now it's gonna cost you money yeah so a lot of people have made the shift and and is it actually strengthened the business and it's it's better. It's a better business because people have to be professional. More controlled. Yeah. And, and it's it's made people make with the companies like RCI, Spring Rhino, even Monroe's as as a two club company, it's it's just made it a better environment to generate revenue and, and limit liabilities, you know. Yeah, I, I can I can only imagine the numbers and some of them lawsuits. So if if somebody's watching this now, what well, it doesn't have to be a gentleman's club. Just if they're managing, what advice would you give them if they encounter a situation like maybe you're at Monroe's and you have a, a customer that's just completely out of control, the woman, the employee that you know you you guys hired is out of two people are out of control, one customer, one employee. As a manager, what advice would you give to anybody just because people get this in their fucking head that because it's a gentleman's club, it's not a business like we've been talking about. It's a fucking business. So just because there's girls there dancing, the business side of it is the same. You're there to make money. You're trying to make the most profit as possible and have the environment as enjoyable as possible for the client so they come back. Right. So what's some advice being that you've done this 20 years now that I looked at it? It's been about, you're at like 19 right. from like, whatever when i looked so after doing this for 19 years what advice would you give to somebody that's managing a company business club whatever it may be when they have an issue with an employee and a client have an issue how what advice would you give in handling that situation don't take it personal that's the first thing so many people take what's going on personal and they, they make it about them and it has nothing to do with you Listen to what they're telling you. Respond in the best interest of the business or club or whatever the case may be and, and do it with respect and allow people to keep their dignity, you know? So, and and ultimately you're not always right. <laughs> yeah. So you got to understand That's cool that, that you can admit that. Yeah. You, n nobody's always right. You might make mistakes and you can't be afraid to go back and fix it. Hey, you know what? I was wrong when I said that to you. You're right. This See, that's that right there is why you survive. Two things I've noticed about you. You have an open mind, so you're open-minded, you're willing to learn, you don't get content, you like to be pushed. And two, look at both sides because you could be wrong. That, to me, those two things there are why you, you've right. been able to run this. for, Bro, can you name anybody else other than some huge fucking guy that can run a gentleman's club for 17, 18 years? Right, right. There ain't many of you, man. No, nah, they don't. They don't last long. A lot of people, and they bounce around a lot, you know. So that I mean, it's good advice. 
you gotta you just gotta be willing because if it's a complaint, then there might be some legitimacy to what they're saying, right? So you gotta first listen to understand what's going on, you know. So you can't over talk them. You gotta just listen. A lot of times, just listening solves the problem. Mm, yeah. Isn't that funny? Right. Because right? when you listen, you're not sparking anybody's temper. You're hearing them out calmly. And then you can, you're like a negotiator. Right. Like basically. a fucking terrorist. <laughs> I probably can't say that word. You're a fucking negotiator. Right. Mario the negotiator. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what do you do when, when they, like the client just won't stop? Do you hand order or is that when you leave it so, to somebody else to carry him the fuck out of there? No, I, 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 we have a system that I've, that I've created for, I guess we, I call it ejecting the guests from the building. Casket? Um, <laughs> and it Eject in, right to the casket. It, it, it involves <laughs> not actually touching them at all. We don't We don't ever want to, because anytime you touch a person oh. when they're upset, it escalates the situation. Imagine that lawsuit, buddy. Right. So, you know, it involves- <laughs> Fucking 10 million. It involves what I said earlier, listening, mm -hmm. and then having patience, because in any bar- Almost always the bar is the reason why the guest is drunk and fucked up, right? Any 100%. bar in America. So we're selling you the, the vehicle that got you to that point. The least I can do is have patience and listen to you. Yeah. You know, so, so many people and everybody, why do you have so much patience? Because we're responsible. And it's a fucking business, right. and you run the business, and you're right. only you're only making the business look like shit if you right. act like. Imagine you, and and. and Particularly in our in our building, I told you we cater to uh, upper echelon guests, yeah. business professional. I know who those them. guys don't take ass whoopings. No, you're gonna beat the ass, okay? And then you'll see their, a letter from their lawyer a week later. You know, so yeah. it, 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 it's I, not I, like I could probably give you five names that you would probably see, and they're names that you really don't want to go up against. Right? <laughs> it's not like space back in the early two thousands yeah. throwing people down that fucking stairwell <laughs> on the way out. You know, like, yeah. They're fucking mollied out. They're not. They're not probably not even gonna remember. But that fucking guy that maybe an attorney himself, he, he's not gonna wear that ass whooping with no repercussions. Oh no! Oh no! So, you know, it's it's just different. It's a different ball game. You know. Well, you sound like you. The hours, that's what I want. How do you deal with the fucking, what's your hours? That's got to be the worst part of it, right? You know, the only, I don't mind the work. It's it just, you know, it's a small sacrifice of time with the family here and there, but that's the only thing that bothers me about it. It's not the actual hours of work. I, I, I can work 20 hours straight if, if I need to. It's just a sacrifice of that family. family time, you know. But it's it's for the better men in the long run, you know? So yeah, the great, it's for the greater good. Right. So, you know, I, I grew up in a very traditional household. And when I, when my dad was alive, it was very traditional. He was, you know, he was an earner. And, you know, and then my grandfather was the same way. So it's kind of always what I looked at growing up. So it's kind of the behavior that's been modeled for me my whole life. So I understand the need for me to be the earner and, my girlfriend's the nurturer, you know, so okay. that's kind of what I grew up with. So I'm, I'm okay with it in the long run. And it's not really that bad. What, what are the hours? Usually. <clears throat> uh, so with this last week I did, I worked six days. I did, you know, eight hours on Monday. I did probably another eight hours on two. Oh no, I got out. I mean like what time do you go in? I and mean, then what time? Do you <clears throat> uh, so it, it varies. Like Monday I, I went in at five in the morning cause I had to do inventory and I left around six at night. Damn. And then five a.m. Uh, to six p.m. Yeah, and then Tuesdays I normally do my meetings and stuff. So I got 
a small break in between. And then if it's a payroll week, I'm there to probably 2 a.m. in the morning going at 11, 11 a.m. And then, um, you know, this week with boat show in town, I did a couple 4 p.m. to 6.30 a.m. shifts. So I'm, 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 on average, how many hours of sleep you got? About four and a half, five hours That's tops. Where I'm at. Yeah, I, 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 honestly, I can't sleep longer. Me unless neither. the only time I sleep longer is when after weeks, a weeks of not sleeping more than four hours. Me too. And then you my know, body finally crashes. You know what? If I get six hours, I feel like shit. I yeah. feel better at four than six. I do. If I sleep, if I sleep like a long time, then I'm I'm no good. I want to just keep sleeping. Yep, I'm the same way. Yeah. And you know it's funny. I was raised the same way too. My my family told me this. Because, you know, they're old school. They were right off the boat. Right. Everybody worked till they died. Till they died, they were working. Right, right. And, and they said, you're here to protect, reproduce, and provide. That's all, all that was through my that's head. All, I, that's all I watched my whole life. <laughs> that, that's all I watched, too. And if I didn't, believe me, I was let known this is what how you're going to be. Protect, produce, or protect, provide, and reproduce. That's it. Right. I mean, and at the core of everything, that's it's pretty fucking true. That's what I always try to make comparisons to, like the animal kingdom, right? So, yeah. like, it, it's true though. The kings always, the male species always, and you go find an animal where the male species not protecting something, you don't find it, right? You don't. So there you go. I mean, I, I have I have <laughs> a little nature. I have a little one year old, and I have uh, two French bulldogs. One one's like a show dog, you know, really. He could go 100 miles an hour at that ball, wouldn't even phase him. But when he's around my daughter, he'll sit right in front of her and will guard everything. Right. He's kind of the calm one. And then I have a little French bulldog that jumps around and shit. And when he sees her come, when my dog Guido sees the little dog like jumping around too much near the baby, Guido jumps right in front of the baby and he's there in front of her so that if Camilla, the little one, comes, He's there to like push her off. Right. And my point of saying that is because it's the same thing. Like the dog is there. The dog knows that this is a little girl and a baby and he's there to protect. Right. You know? It's nature. And he'll fuck anything. My dog broke the fucking <laughs> statue at the vet. I'm surprised didn't he didn't make me pay for it. Guido started hitting it from behind and knocked the head off the statue. That dog gotta be fucking powerful. <laughs> strong strong well I, I was the strongest French bulldog again. Yeah. Well, I was going through a divorce at the time, so I didn't want to be alone. And I didn't want to get a sick dog. <clears throat> so I went and got this crazy, like, stud, you know, the gray French, the, they call him blue, French bulldog. When he was six months, the, guy, the dog had biceps. Wow. His mom and dad were jacked. And, they, and he don't breathe like, <sighs> this dog can run 30 miles right now, wow. you know. But real nice, protective, good dog, well-behaved. But awesome. You know. Thank you for your time, Mario. I, I know you're a busy you guy. I was just really interested in, in how, like, the logistics of, of all that work. And I hope you come back in again because I got a lot for more. Sure, I just bro. don't want to, you know, kill up all the little bit of time that you do have. But congratulations on Thank everything, you. man. Congratulations on another woman in your life, boy. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Good fucking luck. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm done. I already know it. <laughs> you're done for it. I have one, and my house was a bachelor pad. Like, really, really nice. These kids are us. Yeah, I'll get a granola bar. Might as well just put it on the floor. The wrapper, throw it on the floor. What the fuck doesn't matter? Yeah, it it's over. Anymore. It's over now, yeah. buddy. Our lives are over. Trust me, I know. <laughs> you come to my house and we got a, a large play area right in front of the TV. So, oh yeah, me too, me too. So I have the TV. We have a gate, and then the rest yep. of my extremely nice like living room, like 
table, kitchen table, fake fireplace, you know, for girls back in the day that always worked. Now has a tent in it with toys everywhere. Yep. yep. <laughs> so any of you guys thinking about being a father, make sure you're fucking ready. Even back when I was like on the prowl and I had my, my oldest with me all the time, I never took the child seat out of the car. <laughs> I get a, like a bunch of strippers jumping in the car and they're like what you got a child seat sometimes they even sit in the child seat uh, like, it's a little they, weird but. Yeah, when I got the child seat in, in one of the cars we have I go oh this, this, this is weird the child seat so I go out so you know I, go, I have to go, go out and promote and you know meet people that's part of the gig you know working in the nightlife so I would take <laughs> girls with me <laughs> And they get in my back then. I had a Dodge Charger, and they all jump in the Dodge Charger, and I got a child seat in the, on the right side of the car. Like, well, if you were single, it might be girls. a pussy magnet, right? But being that you're not single, I don't know if they actually like the child seat, but I didn't give a fuck because you know it's about your kid at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take it or leave it because the kids are part of the. But life. on the first one, is I don't know if it was for you, but it was one fucking hell of an adjustment for six months. It was an adjustment because here I am, you know. I was working in Miami at Tootsie's at the time, which, wow, that's crazy. She's 10, so I've been in Palm Beach for over 10 years. But uh, I was working in Tootsie's at the time. I get off work at Tootsie's, go to Sp- uh, go to Scarlet's. Scarlet's oh, closed at 8 a.m., right? So we get out at oh, 6. Forever. We go there. They close at 8. We have a couple drinks. I recruit girls to go to space. space. Then we go to space till 2. Then I go maybe take a nap or go to a pool party or go to Mecca and then <laughs> and then go from there back to work and do it all again the next day. Yeah. So it was a little bit of an adjustment period. But I had to like get all that shit out of my system and, and come back to reality because that and that's partially the reason I left Miami too. It's it's like Yeah, it's too much. That night the nightlife in Miami to be dialed in, you gotta be on the scene all the time. All the time. It's it's really like it's a whole nother world. So that it's part of the advocate. I'm not gonna be a good dad down here. Let me leave. No, it's impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. It takes unless you're much. like a fucking alien, and if you are, I'd right. like to interview you because I'd right. like to know a lot. I have a lot of questions. If you are, <laughs> yeah, that Miami thing, the Miami life is just a party nonstop. Yeah, it's okay once in a while, you know, in and out. But fuck that. Like, yeah. To me, that's South Philly. I with saved, palm trees. I save like maybe twenty years off my life by not living in staying in Miami. So well, I'm sure you did. For me, the first eight months were, I was like, fuck, this is some shit here, boy. But then one, once she got a little bit older and started, like, looking for me, and then I walked in the house and she ran up to me, and oh, I that's was like, oh, fuck. Prior to that, I was like, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, uh, just sleeping and shitting at that point, you know? So yeah, it's like, like sleeping, crying, you can't watch a fucking TV show, movie, forget it. You know, any you can't do anything. And not at the one, you got to watch fucking Coco Melon with him. Coco Melon, I can sing it to you. <laughs> Here comes the school bus, boom, boom, boom. All the kids go, da, da, da. I know, it's all on all the time. I'm yeah. just, I thought when my oldest was, like, when I had my first child, and we got past the fucking Dora the Explorer and Aquanauts and all that shit. I was like, whew. Now I can watch, like, some decent cartoons that I can I can actually stomach. And then now I'm right back in the same boat. I tried to put on Ren and Stimpy, and she wasn't having right. it. I tried to Beavis and Butthead. Right. Wasn't I having to, it. I do like, uh, I force <laughs> like the, the comic book characters on ourselves, like yeah. my oldest. They're a little bit, of, that's a little bit. I, I'm on Coco Melon right. in my fucking head all right. day and all night. You know what I mean? But what are you going to do? But yeah, man, when I, when 
I was like, ah, ah, ah. And then that day when she ran up and like went, ah, and never did that because, you know, ever. Then that's when I was just like, all right, all right. My mom was right. Where's my fucking wallet? Might right. as well just give it to you yeah, now. Right. You know what I mean? You're done. Yeah. You're done. But it's a good feeling, though. It's worth yeah. it. It it's changes you. It. Yeah, it for changes. sure. You, you, you mature Definitely real quick and me. you make, oh, yeah. That was a fucking very- uh, Crazy motherfucker. Say, wow. Yeah. Yeah, me too. 20, 22 years old in my the best shape of my life, pro fighter in Miami. I mean, because that scene in Miami, at, when I got into the fight game, you know, if you were a fighter in Miami, like you were like a little fucking celebrity in Miami at the time, you know? So it was like I came up with George Masvidal. I recruited George Masvidal all American top team. Really? Yeah, he oh. was on Bulldog Fights with me. Wow, you're on Bulldog mm. Fights with you? Yeah. Wow, you're lucky yeah. you got out of there. Yeah. I was... Yeah, you're you're lucky. You would have definitely taken a lot of time yeah. off your life, but you know so that was crazy. Man. But, cool, man. Cool, man. Thank you for coming in, I man. And you got you got to show me the UFC, one of the next big fights. Okay, for sure. Definitely, I'm down. man. Keep in touch. Yeah, you know, definitely come back in again whenever you got an hour to get back in. All right, bro. All right, man. Cool, Thank man. you very much. I appreciate I it, brother. You, bro. Thank you. Yeah.